Welcome to the first 2013 Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel Show. Tonight, with Druff and without Drexel, Brandon is not here tonight. I do expect him back next week. So, uh, I don't want to do the show by myself. I, I just don't want to. I can, but I don't want to. It's much better with a co-host. And I found a co-host, one who is uh, very used to doing these type of shows, because he has one of his own every week called Filthy Limper Radio on VegasPokerRadio.com. And this person I'm describing, probably most of you already know who it is, is Johnny Sepp, a.k.a. J. Sepp. He will be my co-host tonight. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Todd. How are you tonight? I'm all right, and I'm I'm glad to have you on here. Uh, It's always good to have a co-host who is used to it, has been here before. And and when I came forward today and said that I need a co-host... Uh, I was willing to take uh, pretty much anyone, including ones that hadn't really done this before, hadn't done it very much. But I- I'm glad you volunteered because uh, it makes it a lot smoother when the person is uh, familiar with everything. And I know you have your podcast every week. And I'll let you just start off and, and plug it right here since you're, you're kind enough to join me tonight. Uh, I'd like you to plug your own podcast and site and uh, then we'll get going with our show. Well, first and foremost, Todd, I'll have you know that for the first time in my life just now, I rejected getting a blowjob so that I was here and available for Poker Photo Light Radio tonight. What? What? Is this true? <laughs> yes, it's true. And then I was offered a blowjob while radio was on, but my stipulation was I'd have to announce it on the air, and she said, no, I had to be cool about it, and I said, forget it. Let's <laughs> yeah. just... So she was willing to give you a blowjob even during the show. You can ignore her and do the show, but uh, you still—that still was not enough for you. You still had to announce it. You couldn't just keep it to yourself. I can't. How do you keep that to yourself? I have to. I mean, that sounds like solid gold. I can't just let it go by. I'd rather not get the blowjob than. Well, yeah, I guess the worst part of it would be that uh, you'd be kind of distracted, and people would think you're just being a crappy radio host. And and you want to tell them so badly. Not only are you not a crappy radio host, but but what's really happening during radio, and you can't. I can understand how that would be bothersome. And I I don't know if I was offered that. I don't know if I could turn it down, even if I couldn't say it. So. Uh, well, I'm on the East Coast, and I was really worried about not having my body's full nutrient capacity oh, going to the show and not being able to make it through post blowjob. Yeah, and so. I understand that because I I've had the situation. I know this is not the same thing. But um, when I've been at Commerce, and, and I've been there a long time, and they serve free food there. And you guys know from watching Live at the Bike how much I love free food when I play poker. But uh, at some point, I don't want to order the free food because I've been up for so long, and I'm afraid if I eat the food, it will sap me of my energy, you know, because digesting it takes energy. You think eating actually gives you more energy, but when you're very tired, it gives you less energy. So I, I get so afraid if I eat, it'll just knock me out if I've been up a long time, so I don't eat. So I guess it's kind of like that, except uh, in, in a blowjob capacity. It's kind of the same only with cum, Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah. Okay, so, so uh, let me tell you guys about uh, the free roll we have tonight before it gets too late, because I, as usual, I started late. And uh, when I start late, then it makes the free roll uh, very soon after we begin. So the free roll tonight is $50. I'm sorry that it can't be $293 like last week, or sorry, two weeks ago. We had no show last week. The final show of 2012, a $293 free roll. Uh, a lot of people generously gave to that. This week it's just 50 
But the good news is next week we will be back to the triple digits. We have a $100 donation coming in from uh, the Watermelon Patch Wormhole. So uh, we'll have a minimum of that, plus whatever other people want to donate next week. This week it's 50 bucks, our, our usual minimum free roll. The prizes are $25 for first, 15 for second, 5 for third, and 5 for fourth. Uh, these donations for this free roll came from a Smotorius who won two <laughs> weeks ago. He, uh, he won 60 bucks two weeks ago. He's donating 30 this week, 30 next week. Gordman and Six-Toed Pete, of all people, are each donating 10. Six-Toed Pete, especially surprising. This is someone who just a few days ago challenged me to a fight, and now he's donating to my site's free roll. I don't get it, but uh, thank you, Six-Toed Pete, and thank you, Gordman, who did not challenge me to a fight. So uh, $50 free roll. Uh, you have to have been registered here by May 21st, 2012. If you don't have a registered account by that date, send me email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Explain how long you've been listening. Explain the things you've liked about the site and the show or any other shows I've been part of in the past that you've listened to. And if you can convince me that you've been around and aren't just here for the free roll, I will qualify you even though you don't have a registered account in time. If you have a registered account before May 21st, then you automatically qualify even if you've never posted here. So good luck to everybody. Make sure you register on time by 7.40 p.m. Pacific. Otherwise, you won't get in this free roll because there is no late registration. You know, I should make it so there's no late registration of this radio show, where if it 7 o'clock comes, I don't start it, I can't do it, then I'd probably be here on time. But uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't, have you ever been on time? I, I have, and then, like, no, then like nobody's here because they don't expect me to, to be starting on time. <laughs> it's a, so uh, anyway... I really was going to be fairly close to starting on time tonight, and then I had this maddening situation where the Ethernet port of my computer did not work. And uh, I, I finally got it going, but uh, that's that's what most of the delay was. Some of it was just being late, but uh, I'd say about 10, 15 minutes of it was that. Anyway, I have a lot of things on the agenda tonight for us to discuss, and um, you know, I, I know you keep abreast of all the poker news or a lot of it, so I think you'll uh, have an opinion on a lot of this stuff, too. Yeah, I've been, uh, actually read the show outline, and most of the stuff I was already caught up on, but I got caught up on the other stuff, so it sounds like a good show tonight. Oh, very good. So we have uh, we have a, a prepared host. So here's the, here's the uh, agenda tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about Gabo Boy's mother again, who called out uh, player Adam Junglin. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Adam Junglin, Junglin, whatever. He called him out for being a thief and stealing her son's bracelet. Uh, it turns out uh, he didn't. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit and the embarrassing situation there. I want to talk about Caesars a little bit. I just stated Caesars. I stated the actual Caesars in Las Vegas, the original Caesars. But uh, I want to talk about the whole company Caesars, you know, the one that owns the World Series. And uh, they may be headed for bankruptcy. They're in big trouble, and it just gets worse and worse for them. I, I want to discuss it from the standpoint of someone who is a frequent customer of theirs, both at the World Series and at the hotel, uh, and and also a seven star. Uh, seven star is the highest uh, players card you can have. There's the high, highest level of players card. So I have a lot of dealings with Caesars, whether I like it or not. And uh, I'll tell you my perspective on the company as a customer. And also from looking at it from the outside regarding uh, their very possible bankruptcy coming up soon. And I'll even put on the phone a guy who would like to expand on this, who has some additional knowledge on the topic, Jstat, one of our users, who asked to talk about it, and uh, I'm happy to have him on here. Uh, PPA is asking for money again. I, I guess they 
since they're not getting the money from Full Tilt anymore, and I don't know if PokerStars is still paying them or not, but uh, if the PPA wants money, I'm going to tell you whether or not I think you should donate to them or if you should throw that letter in the garbage. Eric Lindgren has come clean and admitted that he owes all the money that people say he owes. And he's in rehab. We'll talk about that. Jennifer Harmon's reality show Sin City Rules has been canceled. It's gone, at least in the United States. Did not do very well at all. It will play in Europe for three more episodes. But there's an additional side story. Yeah, there's an additional side story that one of her castmates in the show, one of the other women, is angry at reporter Robin Leach. Remember Robin Leach from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? He reports on Las Vegas issues now. He wrote an article in the Las Vegas Sun, which got one of her castmates really angry. And uh, I I did a little research into this castmate and found some interesting stuff, so we're going to talk about that too. Uh, We have a new villain in poker, Cedric Brazeau. I think that's how you pronounce his name, B-R-A-Z-E-A-U, also known as Blue Stays or Blue Staz is accused of breaking into Thai poker players' houses and putting spyware on their laptops and, even worse, drugging them when he's with them in person and stealing their money. I mean, this sounds like a plot out of uh, some bad poker movie, but it's, it's probably true. This is going on... Jeff, is that city in Thailand pronounced the way it's spelled phonetically? It, it's funny. This is in Phuket, Thailand. P-H-U-K-E-T. Spelled, uh, spelled like fuck it. Not fuck it. Yeah, spelled just like fuck it. And I, I got a good laugh about that when I visited. I was actually, I've actually been in fuck it, Thailand in 1988 when I was 16 years old. And I thought that was so funny at the age of 16 to be going to a city called fuck it. So uh, <laughs> that, that's where this is going on in fuck it, Thailand. And we'll talk about that. Uh, longtime Russ Hamilton associate Blair Rodman, he's been on PFA, posting in one thread, the one about him, and um, denied knowing Russ Hamilton, but someone came out and proved him to be a very early multi-accounter on UB. Won't spend a long time discussing it, but I just want to touch on that. I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, also, in that, related to that same thread, I got an interesting email today from Chris Levick, the former owner of the Poker Players Academy, is a story we've been following for a while here, uh, including a letter that came from the original founder, Mike Helm, claiming that that business lost $2.2 million before before going down and stealing everyone's 15 bucks. That's an incredible letter. I'm gonna, even though it's a private message, i, I got to read this on air. Uh, Colonel Nigel Fabersham is going to come back, and he's going to make a call to the Rio about an interesting promotion they have regarding getting uh, drinks at a discount. I've, I've posted about it already on my forum, but uh, the colonel's going to get answers from the Rio about this. Chad Ellie, remember we had an interview with him on Black Friday, not the Black Friday related to poker, but the Black Friday related to shopping. The day after Thanksgiving, we interviewed Chad Ellie on the Thanksgiving Black Friday about online poker payment processing, about his upcoming prison sentence, everything like that. We, we had a long talk with Chad Ellie on the show, like about uh, two hours. Um, he's going to prison. Originally was going to be sentenced to a maximum security facility. Now he's going to be sentenced to a minimum security facility. And not only is it minimum security, it sounds like uh, not a bad place to be. In fact, I, I may get arrested on purpose to go there. Uh, we're, I'm going to play Victor Conte who uh, some of you may have heard of. He's uh, related to the Balco scandal in baseball, the steroid scandal. 
uh, with Barry, Barry Bonds and, and others, uh, he went to prison in the same place that Chad Ellie is going to be going. And you'll get to so hear did, uh, Tommy Chong. And Tommy Chong, right. You're going to get to hear Victor Conte talking about his time in this prison called Taft. Uh, I, I'll also talk about my New Year's, what I did this New Year's, a little bit different than uh, many other New Year's. It was on the Vegas Strip, and it did involve my son Benjamin. So I'll talk about that a little bit. And how big is Poker Fraud Alert? It's been around for uh, 10 months now. The radio show's been around for about uh, 8 months. How big is Poker Fraud Alert now? I think it might be the 7th biggest poker forum on the internet. I thought 4th at one point, but now now I'm kind of settling on 7th. We'll talk about that a little bit and come to a conclusion if we can. So that's that's what we're going to have tonight. Uh, Maybe we'll get Ken Scaler on the phone if uh, I get a call from him and... uh, Maybe some other stuff if we happen to hit on it. If you if you want to call in tonight, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Make sure to show your caller ID. Or if you want to call our mountain number, you can do that too. There's lots of snow up there. Mount Charleston, we have a phone up there that rings and forwards over here. 702-430-1808. Both phone numbers are in the official thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum. If you forget them, make sure to show your caller ID when you call. And make sure if you want to play the free roll, you get in there. Four minutes left. It's 7.36 right now. And at 7.40, it closes. So uh, uh, if you want to call in, just don't call in the middle of a segment or we probably won't answer the phone. Kind of wait till a lull in the action. And I'll try to remember a few times to tell people they can call in. Uh, specifically, I'll answer the phone because I I do have some people just hammering the phone when I when I don't uh, pick up, and it's not because I'm avoiding your calls. Because if we're in the middle of something, I sometimes don't like to interrupt unless it's like a really important call. Um. Anyway, uh, let's get going with with the uh, let's see. I, I guess we'll just go over the first thing on the agenda. Not necessarily the most exciting thing. But uh, first on the agenda, we'll t- so we'll talk about it. Uh, did you see the whole thing, Johnny, about uh, Gabo Boy, both uh, when it happened and recently? Yeah, I actually followed it while it was happening earlier um, when Go- Gabo Mom, Gobo Mom, whatever, uh, was initially accusing Adam. I, have, I actually know Adam. I, I don't know him well, but I've met him a few times. Uh, when she was accusing Gabo of uh, or of Adam of stealing the bracelet, and uh, it was a huge face palm when uh, the tweet that she sent out just the other day. Yeah, this is pretty bad. I mean, it's bad enough having your mother on the forums to begin with. You you just don't want your your mother hovering over you on forums like this because not only does she see everything that you post and when you if you post anything about uh sex, I know Gabba Boy isn't, you know, really into all that, but you know, still, you make any kind of post that you don't want your mother to see. <laughs> he's really into all well, that. he might yeah, you know, he might like to be, but I know he's not really, you know, I know Gabba Boy's not getting a lot of action. He'll be the first one to admit that. But uh um you know, still, you you just you don't want your mom hovering over you on, on these type of forums, but uh, for whatever reason, she's there. And uh, I, I get the impression about Gobble Boy's mom that she doesn't have much else going on in her life, and her whole life is her son. And it's never good when your entire life is your children, because then you focus too much on them. And, and there really is a way to be too much of a parent. 
and, and that's definitely what she's doing. And what's also stupid is a uh, Gobble Boy's an adult. He he doesn't uh, need his mom to be there constantly. So, so, so I mean, Todd, do you think it's kind of clear that uh, uh, Jimmy grew up in kind of an unhealthy environment? Not necessarily a dangerous environment or anything, but an unhealthy environment just based on his. Uh, I guess physical. Well, see, I, I don't want to judge that. But there are some people that are very overweight that cannot help it just because they have uh, very bad metabolism or other causes that that are inherited. <clears throat> that he also seems to be like super asexual and just kind of like just a weird. Well, yeah. was actually right. I mean, well, no, look, look, I, I you know, I've met Gabo Boy. He's actually a nice guy. I, I actually like him, and uh, and I'll say that. Uh, when when you are obese your whole life and, and kids make fun of you and you know girls are probably not attracted to you because of your weight and you know it it really changes a lot of things it it really affects your confidence especially with women and and so I can see how there's that kind of like a domino effect that you can't necessarily blame on his mom now should his mom have monitored his eating habits when he was growing up so he was thinner well it depends if he got this weight because his mom was careless and and uh, let him overeat. Then, then yes, but if if it's just a matter of genes that uh, genetics that that made him to be really big, then you know that's the way it is, and uh, I can't blame his mom for that. But I, I do have to say that there probably was some degree of an unhealthy environment from the way she acts on the forums, the the way she's so involved in his life as an adult and posting on forums where he posts and and then you know accusing his friends of of stealing for him. If he wants to accuse his friends of stealing, fine. But that's his business. But to, for her to come out and accuse his friends when she knew, when he asked her specifically, don't bring this up, and she does anyway, I mean, that's just, uh, she's just interfering in his life. And, and I'm sure Gabo Boy has enough problems as it is to, to where he doesn't need his mom causing problems like this. And I, I think it would really, really be best for Gabo Boy if his mom just got off 2 plus 2, got off of Twitter, and, and just had her life separate from him. She really needs to do that for his own good, uh, regardless of whatever problems he has, uh, you know, related to his weight and, and, and things that come along with that. So now I'll say again, with Gabo Boy, aside from this whole situation, which was a huge mess, uh, I like him, and I I really hadn't seen him do anything wrong, at least anything major that was wrong, until this. And even with this, he he was trying to avoid it till his mom kind of forced him into it, by by just you know bringing it out. And everyone started talking about it. Uh, but just for those of you that don't know, um, he uh, his his mom on uh, actually I don't know the date. It was sometime in late November. Uh, said, "If the shoe fits, you little you little drug addicted dog herder." She said this to Adam Junglin when he was uh, responding to Gabo Boy about something uh, unrelated. I mean, there's really no coming back from that <laughs> accusation, yeah. is yeah, there? Yeah, you, you little drug-addicted dog herder. And so he says at first, are you trying to make me relapse? So then, at that point, she started just going off on him. And then, of course, you know, the forum started talking about it. And, and the story came out. The dog herder part was kind of exaggerated. He was, he, he was uh, I wouldn't say he hurt Gobble Boy's dog. He just uh, kept forcing the dog to play with him when the dog didn't want to. Which which is isn't nice, but it's it's not the same as animal abuse. And then the uh, the, the second part, which is the more serious accusation, was that he stole Gobble Boy's bracelet. Well, guess what? Uh, after most people believed Gobble Boy, 
and thought that uh, Gabo Boy, who really had, even though he didn't bring this up, Gabo Boy asked his mom not to bring this up in public and uh, only ended up discussing it because his mom forced the issue uh, against his will. But uh, people thought, okay, well, Gabo Boy is probably the more reliable one here. He, he's never been involved really in any scandals other than that stupid Howard Letterer thing, which was kind of just laughable. And, uh, you know, Adam Junglin, he's the, he's the admitted, uh, you know, former uh, drug addict or whatever problems he's had. So people thought that Gabo Boy is probably the more reliable party, or even I thought that. I thought that Adam was probably guilty. I think I even said that on the show. I had no evidence. But uh, anyway, anybody who thought he was guilty was wrong. Because just, uh, I think, yesterday or two days ago, this came from Gabo Boy's mother on Twitter. Sweet Jesus H. Christ, when will I slash we all learn that the opposite always comes true? I'm sorry, Adam Junglin. You were wronged and innocent. Jimmy found his bracelet while moving. Adam is completely innocent. Jimmy and I feel like idiots and are totally sorry. Again, I'm sorry, Adam Junglin. You were falsely accused and your reputation maligned wrongly. I'm sorry profusely. Well, how about being sorry to your son that you brought this out in the first place? This is exactly why he didn't want this brought out in public, because he didn't have proof. He wasn't sure. He thought Adam did it, but it was one of these things. He thinks he did it, but he doesn't want to come out and drag the guy through the mud unless he's sure. And it turned out he wasn't sure, and it turned out it didn't really happen. It turned out the bracelet was just lost somewhere for a while. And it threw his, you know, his own misplacement of it. So uh, this is really bad. And I, I don't blame Gabo Boy himself so much because, again, he, he told his mom not to bring this up. He told his mom not to do this, and she did anyway. And, and once she did, then, of course, he had to explain it. But his mom really, really needs to lay off. His mom, I think if she could do one thing, if she could do something to atone for this whole thing, she could just get off forums. But I don't think she will, because I think then she'll have nothing to do. But it's pretty sad. What's what's your opinion about this, Johnny? Uh, I I, completely, I haven't checked that. Oh, you're, I'm sorry. You're you know. You, let me call you back on Skype. It's really cutting out badly with with you speaking. Okay. I'll, I'll call you right back on Skype here. Let me try to reconnect him. It just it just didn't sound good. Okay. Hello again. So, a Beer and Poker just said in our chat room, stage moms are for little kids in the entertainment industry and shouldn't be for adults in the poker world. That's definitely... It's actually a great point. Um, do you know if she's actually gone on 2 plus 2? I mean... Uh, you're, you're cutting um, out again. Something's really wrong here. I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, know if it's Skype or what. It seems it's, to be functioning fine on my end. Now it seems it would be a little bit better. I don't think I, I think this is actually a uh, Skype. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn you up too. People are saying you're a little bit soft, but that I can fix. The connection on Skype, I'm afraid I can't. We just have to have to hope Skype isn't gonna cut. Okay, so I just turned you up. Okay. So okay. Um, so so go ahead. Tell tell us again what you're gonna say. Uh, I was I was just gonna ask you if she had gone on two plus two and made an apology there yet. Uh, last I checked, she hadn't. And I think really that would be the only thing that she could do at this point to just kind of make a farewell post and apologize to her son and Adam. But I mean, I asked you the question earlier if you thought Adam had a lawsuit and you don't think that he does. Um, but I kind of could see where he would. Um, well, you know, anybody can sue anybody for any reason, but I just don't see this succeeding because uh, 
this was something that directly happened uh, involving her son. This wasn't like it wasn't like they heard a rumor about Adam and, and trashed him and turned out it wasn't true. This was directly involving her son, and you know, at least it's believable. And a lot of us believed it that this really happened because the story sounded like something that uh, it sounded like there's a good chance that he's the one who took it. But uh, it turned out he didn't. Turned out he was innocent. So I, I don't know if a lawsuit. I, I don't know the law as far as that is concerned with something like that, where you have a reasonable accusation against someone based upon the circumstances, and then you turn out to be wrong, uh, and it directly involves you. I, that's a little bit different than, uh, like, like for example, the Inquirer publishing a story about someone that's just absolutely not true, where the, the Inquirer just you know talks about a third party. Says you know such and such person was was drunk at such and such place and got kicked out and it never really happened and it ruins the reputation like that that's definitely lawsuit material when when someone wrongs you directly or you think they did and you have good reason to believe they did and it turns out that appearances were deceiving and they really didn't I I don't know if that lawsuit could ever be won but uh, hey Todd can you actually try calling me one more time on Skype now you're breaking up every third word okay <laughs> so okay I'll, I'll try you one more time I think Skype's having some trouble so. Hopefully we got these Skype issues working here. I don't know whose end it is. I think it's actually Skype itself. I don't think it's uh, either of our ends. Yeah, I think it's a Skype issue because um, my internet connection is pretty strong and nobody's complaining about you in the chat, so I think it's just a Skype yeah. oh, well, it's, we'll issue, but uh, we'll, hopefully it works itself out. Yeah, we'll try. You know, at, at worst, I could actually call you. I know it won't sound as good as Skype, but uh, if we have all the cutouts, then we can always do that as a uh, secondary way of getting you on here. So, okay. anyway, uh, so that, that's, uh, I think we're in agreement about the situation. And no, I haven't seen anything on 2 Plus 2, though I haven't read the thread about that really, so, uh, but I, I haven't heard that she's going to announce that she's leaving forums or anything. I, I doubt that's ever going to happen. I just think that would be the right thing for her to do at this point. To... Todd, I kind of wanted to ask you a question that is kind of a blanket with this and some other stuff, actually, uh, just with your vast experience with forums. Uh, when some type of controversy, personal controversy, comes out on the forum and on Poker Friday this week, it was huge, the uh, cash gifting cabbie thread and, you know, the global mom stuff, what is the best strategy to take? Is it to, to nap it out? Is it to laugh it off? I, I mean, this happens, you know, like clockwork every once in a while, and... Uh, well, yeah, 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 right. And I can I can say from uh, all, all my different experiences with he, this type of thing here, I think if you're in a situation where it's unlikely that you're going to be able to talk your way out of it, if it's something where you have screwed up badly, uh, looked guilty with something, uh, did something stupid, said something stupid, uh, whatever, then I, I think that like a mostly napping it out thing is sort of uh, a good way to diffuse it or just admitting you were wrong or just uh, kind of coming out forward and saying, okay, I did it. Yeah. This year's as long as it's not something terrible, people will generally back off. I think that's, I think that's really the way that it uh, goes away the quickest. It's when you fight these things that it, it blows up to into a, a gigantic thread. And I think just completely ignoring it looks bad too, because everyone knows that you ran off because you're either scared of uh, discussing it or or because uh, you're guilty of something. So th that, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I know you've seen enough of these to know the best possible uh, 
course of action, but it's just, it just amazes me how this always seems to there always seems to be something after a dull period, just some revelation that's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. By the way, if this if this doesn't improve, I probably will have to uh, call you on the phone rather than Skype because it's uh, it is cutting a lot. So. Uh... Okay. I'm, I'm hoping we'll we'll try a little bit longer on Skype, but uh, Skype just doesn't seem to be working very well tonight. But anyway, in the meantime, we'll move on to the next uh, planned topic here. Uh, you know, I'll just get right into talking about Jennifer Harmon and her now canceled show, Sin City Rules. This is the theme song from the show. So, this fine show lasted for five episodes on TLC. Which, by the way, you don't have to have a super successful show to survive on TLC. This isn't uh, ABC. This is a cable channel. It's It's a small cable channel. So... When TLC purchases a full season of your show, as long as you throw up, like, semi-decent ratings, and when I say semi-decent, I mean by cable channel standards, by small cable channel standards, then you at least make it through the season. But the ratings were so horrendous on this, I don't have the exact numbers, but from what I'm hearing, the ratings were just terrible, that they couldn't even run all eight episodes that they had made. They actually stopped it after five and I guess the only place that's doing decently is Europe, of all things. And that's surprising because from programming, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, uh, you know, send me send me your phone number on Skype. I'll I'll call you on the on the phone. This is really bad. Uh, all right. Hang on. <laughs> wow, this sounds that sounded like a long distance connection, like seventy years ago. Like across the Atlantic when you're calling someone in England. Even then it was better. That's where technology's gotten us. 2013, we can't make a damn phone call on Skype. So I'm going to be connecting uh, Jason back on as soon as he... Uh, here's his number. This is a secret number. Okay, I'll keep it a secret then. All right. So I'm going to put Jason on uh, the old-fashioned way, through the phone. And uh, I apologize for that. But it's Skype. What can I do? All right, Todd. All right. I mean, this is better. It sounds like a phone, but it's, it, uh, at least I can understand you. It got really terrible at the end. Yeah, I think it's just a Skype issue. Hopefully, I don't have the same issue on Thursday night, but uh, uh, we'll see. But anyway, um, the Jennifer Harmon show, that television network has some of the shittiest programming ever. So it's, I've never heard of a show getting canceled. Like the midget uh, reality shows in like its fifth season on that. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a good point. Like, the bar is not set very high there. But, so, but somehow it just did not survive. And the ratings were just really bad. And I can tell you from the standpoint of someone who forced himself to watch this. And I, I can tell you I really only forced myself to watch it so I could talk about it on this show. So I, I got through the entire first episode. It wasn't easy, but I got through it. And then the second episode, I got through about, I don't know, a third of it, and I turned it off. And I can tell you the reason I turned it off wasn't out of outrage. I didn't say, oh, this is terrible. I can't watch it another moment. 
it was just boring to me. I, I just didn't find it to be interesting or exciting in any way. The, the drama seemed very contrived. The women were not interesting. Uh, they None of them were likable. Jennifer, who I, I watched it for in the first place, was boring. She didn't come off bad. She just came off boring. I mean, I, I guess... I, I guess it makes Jennifer herself look good that she doesn't look dysfunctional, but she was boring. There, there was nothing interesting about her on the show. She she really had no role in the show. She was just kind of there. So, uh, you know, seeing her play 300, 600 at Bellagio for a few seconds here and there is, is not, it didn't do much for me or anybody watching the show. So I, I was bored of it and I couldn't even bring myself to And I actually thought to myself, it's just not worth it. I, I'm not going to force myself to watch all these episodes, all these hours of this show that I just don't like, just to talk about it on here when probably no one else really wants to hear about it either. So I stopped watching. I but mean, it, the only exposure I ever had to the show was just the stuff that you played on your show. Okay, so so I actually had more more exposure than you. So uh, <laughs> so let, let me turn you up a little bit because uh, you've actually gotten softer since you're on the phone. Oh, Jesus Christ, stop. No, no, it's fine. I can turn you off. That, that's easy. That's just uh, the phone's always softer than Skype. Anyway, um, Todd, do you know what that uh, is? That show, that other uh, reality show that just came out, the um, Live Bory show, is that still? Did that get canceled, or is that still? I don't know anything on? about. I know about it existing. I, I know no, no details about it, so I can't answer that. Okay. But um, so it got canceled, and. Uh, Robin Leach, who does write about Las Vegas these days, that's what he does with his time, uh, he is a freelance writer. He wrote for uh, the Las Vegas Sun an article about uh, its cancellation. And uh, the interesting thing about the Robin Leach article was that it was kind of a biased article that gave a long quote to one of the cast members, Alicia Jacobs, who had some conflict on screen. I don't know if it's real conflict or or fake conflict, or semi-fake conflict, but but uh, it was all from her, the commentary, and none of the other castmates, including Jennifer Harmon, were asked for comment. And I, that stuck out to me as someone that didn't really care that much, but I was like, okay, well, we hear from Alicia, there's like a five-paragraph thing from her, but what about everybody else? It didn't say, like, Jennifer Harmon had no comment, uh, Lana Fuchs had no comment, like, none of them had any comment except for this Alicia Jacobs. And, and Alicia slammed uh, quote, some of her other cast members in these, uh, she said, I will always take the high road, and despite some pretty horrible mistreatment by some of my castmates, I never once behaved in any manner other than a dignified one, as, re- as well as represented my hometown of Las Vegas as best I can. And her, her other quotes were kind of like that, too. So this actually got one of the castmates angry, angry both at Alicia and at Robin Leach for not asking anyone else for comment. And the one who got really angry at this was the one named Amy Hanley. This is the mobster's daughter. And I, before I get to the details about Amy, I have a question for you, Johnny. Um, do you understand it when people are proud of their association with the mob? Like, I think it's an Italian thing. I don't know. Um, I don't really get it because you're kind of just putting it out there like, hey, uh, you know. I'm connected, or it's it's pretty stupid, and I, I think it's just like one of those Italian like ego stroke things. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird because like if your father was a hitman, or your father was a murderer, there's nothing to brag about. 
I mean, your, your father killed people and ruined lives and ended lives. I mean, this is this is bad stuff. This is stuff I think you'd want to distance yourself from, not brag about. And it wasn't even like uh, this this uh, this Amy Hanley, who was the one that got angry at Robin Leach. It wasn't even like her father was some really high up person in the mob who was very influential in developing Vegas. Uh, this was like a low level hitman. And not only that, her father was killed when she was three, so she barely even remembers him. But uh, that's pretty much her whole identity. Uh, and she plays it up trying to get uh, interviews, trying to get media appearances, all because her father was a low-level mob hitman in the 60s and 70s. It's crazy. But but anyway, um, this, this is what Amy wrote on Robin Leach's uh, article on the Las Vegas Sun. She wrote, Really, Robin? Do you think this is good journalism? What about reaching out to the other castmates? What about their feelings? Again, this is one-sided. There are five women on the show. You take a comment from one woman and feature her, but not the rest like you have in the past. How unfair is this? This is not how Las Vegas does things. This is the real Amy Hanley from Sin City Rules. I'm using my mother's account as mine was hacked. <laughs> now, keep in mind, what, what account is she talking about? Her, this is her account on, uh, on like... Uh, the Las Vegas Robert, Sun, like, like someone, <laughs> like someone hacked the Las Vegas Sun account of hers. Like that's that's so weird. Uh, she probably just forgot the password. Uh, Todd, this is the girl that you said was the youngest on the show, right? Yes, yes, she's thirty six. I, I call bullshit on her being thirty six because you posted pictures of her, um, some not safe for work pictures of her with with a with a boob job. Yeah. And that is a 1980s boob job, 100. percent Like she has the the deep like uh, welding scars going yeah, through her nipples. Yeah, well, or... I, I agree, but I, I actually looked this up on an official source or a semi-official source. So I, she does not publish her age. I actually looked it up. Uh, so I think it's real. I think she just uh, it was just a bad. She boob got job. a horrible tit job when she was like 14. Maybe I, I don't know, but so she, she went on and wrote some weird things here. She but. Um, Robin, I tweeted to you earlier asking you to explain why you never called me personally to confirm that I sent an email you posted in the article that only had my name on it. In addition, I thought you and Alicia hated each other. Now you're defending her? Alicia, hear me when I say this. I know about Nick. Bill H. contacted me today. I was also shown pics that proves you, Lana, and Lori, those were two other people, two other women in the show, knew each other from Miss USA 2009 pageant, which is weird because there's no way they were in the Miss USA pageant. They were like all older. They're all over 40. Uh, Alicia, you have spun a web of lies here that has begun to unravel. Alicia, I never did anything to you. I only tried to be a friend. I never knew you would do what you have done. I also know who else was involved. Robin, I am sad to see you would use your column and journalism talents to promote this woman as a victim again. She isn't the victim. Uh, I I never knew you would... uh, Robin, uh, I can only hope you realize too much damage has been done by Alicia for me to walk away from this... Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to read the rest. Uh, it, it ends with, uh, by the way, I have taken screen captures of it all and posted on other sites to ensure the comments are not deleted. Nothing was violated in these comments, and I'm allowed to say the truth here. I know these will get back to Alicia. So um, she's really pissed off. Now, this, I, so after reading this, the first thing I thought was. <laughs> so I had to look up a little bit more about this uh, Amy Hanley. And it turns out some nude pictures surfaced of her, and you just referenced those. And you can find them on the Flying Stupidity Forum on uh, Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, you will have to click the little spoiler thing, because uh, you know, on this site we try to make it to where 
people won't be surprised by nude pictures if they're browsing the site at work or in front of children or whatever. So, so this way you, you don't you only click the show spoiler if you're ready to look at the nude pictures and nobody's around. But uh, as you mentioned, one of these pictures shows a clear shot of her boobs, and it's clearly she's clearly had a boob job. But there are long scars, red scars stretching down from her nipples all the way down the breasts, both of them. Like, long red scars. So I don't know what happened here. I don't know if she had a bad reaction to it, or if it was just a really, really lousy boob job, with le- which left, like, this gigantic scar. But uh, the weird thing about these pictures was she claimed she took them for her ex-husband when they were married, and they just got out somehow. But um, as someone on the site pointed out, she looks too posed and too, like, she looked to put too much effort into these for just taking it for her husband. So, um, I, I, I wonder if this is something done on purpose to get attention. Now, now to keep in, keep in mind some other things, I even invited her to come on this show, but she didn't respond to me. But uh, here's some other things. On December 31st, this is before she knew the show was canceled. Some other weird things for, she wrote. She put it on her Facebook. A quick announcement. Last night I had a very important meeting. In light of everything going on, this is in reference to her uh, nude pictures coming out, I have made the decision that hiring a private investigator slash representative at this time is important for the well-being and success of the show. What? A formal statement will be drafted <laughs> here shortly. Who also represents her? Is that like a twofer? Yeah, I don't know. A formal statement will be drafted here shortly. This is what she did with her New Year's Eve. She wrote this on New Year's Eve. Uh, shortly announcing his name, as well as what exactly our goals and purposes are. Our primary objective is for the well-being of the show and to help resolve behaviors and posts that have shown up through blogs, websites, Twitter, Facebook, and other social media platforms and mainstream media platforms. Uh, This show's reputation as well as the ladies involved is very important to me. I want to see our show placed into a positive light with support and success. So uh, she goes on to write, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she hired a private investigator supposedly to help the show. So I I don't know what the hell's going on with this what chick. Jen Harmon thinking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So th- this is so weird. The whole thing's weird, and then it gets even weirder. Listen to this here. This is uh, I I don't know. This has to do with poker, other than uh, a loose connection to Jen Harmon. It's just so just so weird and fascinating to me. Uh, PR agencies are so strange. Uh, usually you don't really hear much about PR agencies other than just that they exist and they help uh, celebrities. But uh, she hired a PR firm yesterday called uh, Cinderella's Glass PR. And the PR team put out this ridiculous statement on on a website called PRlog.org, which I I guess is like a site that just, uh, uh, for PR places, to just drop press releases there when nobody else really wants to carry the press release. So this is what they write about her. As if having the strong family history that Amy Hanley does in Las Vegas is not enough to have the media spinning... But imagine co-starring on reality TV and facing possible controversy. Welcome to the reality of Amy Hanley's life. Cinderella's Glass PR, as her new PR team, along with first-hand information from Amy Hanley herself, will be addressing all these issues. The media is curious about Amy's family ties and history in Sin City. Who's curious about it? Nobody gives a fuck. I don't think anybody is, except for this show, apparently. Uh, People want to know what she thinks about her father, Tom Hanley, and more. 
Amy states clearly that she is Tom Hanley's biological daughter, but she is not him. Okay, so it's a press release to let us know that she is not the same person as her uh, low-level hitman father who died when she was three. I mean, I, I don't get this. So, it, it, weird PR that's also in the thread. This uh, from it uh, sounds to me, Todd, like you know how there's people who just want to be famous more than anything. Like it, it doesn't matter for what or whatever, but they really just want to be famous. Uh, kind of like I guess Kim Kardashian, maybe. Uh, to a degree before she was famous. Yeah, yeah. I think this girl just wants to be like a, like a, a socialite or something. She just wants to be famous. Yeah. And, and, That's what makes me think she, she released these pictures herself, these nude pictures. And then, of course she did. Then created the controversy, then hired this, this private investigator, supposedly, then hired a PR firm after the show was canceled. I mean, it's time to give up. You should have taken some of that money and hired somebody to Photoshop those tit scars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she should have hired like four dragons from our website. He would have done a good job with it. I bet four dragons could have removed those and made them look beautiful. Get rid of the tit scars and you know get everything on point before you go leaking your your pictures out there. <laughs> so, so all right, yeah, this is crazy. And uh, Cletus also noticed that uh, the PR firm put out a different thing later on that was dated. January 9th, 2013. So, uh, I, I guess they exist in the future. Maybe Marty McFly loaned their DeLorean to them or something. But they, uh, they, re- they released, uh, they've released, uh, uh, a press release about her already on January 9th, 2013. A, a date we have not hit even on the East Coast yet. So, anyway, that's, that's, uh, it's just so weird. And that show is gone. It, they will burn the last three episodes in the East Coast, or the East Coast, on the, uh, in Europe. I, I don't know why they're fascinated with this in Europe, but I, I found that a lot of crap manages to go over okay in Europe and, and other countries. It's like, for some reason, other countries have really, really bad taste as far as TV David goes. Uh, Maybe. Like, something as... A, TV as a whole over there, if you go to other countries and watch the TV, like, they, they put on some of the worst crap that came out of the U.S., and, and it just becomes a huge hit. Like, like Baywatch, for example. That was, that was a huge show internationally. Way, way bigger in other countries than it was in the U.S. And, uh, you know, the U.S. people watched it, but in you know, other countries it was huge. So I, I think that they have kind of weird tastes as far as uh, what passes for entertainment in, in other countries. And uh, I guess in Europe, uh, people enjoy this show. But I, I, I found it unwatchable. And it's not I think so- maybe it's things that are so disgustingly stereotypical American that they become popular in other countries. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's uh, a way to laugh at Americans and say how terrible we are. So that's the end of Jan Harmon's uh, reality show. I, I don't think she has much of a future in reality television because she's just not really someone who comes off very interesting on TV. And that's not really a, a knock against her. It's just uh, some people really grab your attention on TV. Some people sort of do, and some people don't at all. And, uh, you know, the least, the less dysfunctional you appear on TV, and the less unique you appear on TV, uh, people are really not going to want to see you. There has to be something about you that uh, is interesting and, and grabs their attention. And just being a poker player, even a successful one, is not enough. That That's enough for about two minutes. Then after that, they get bored. Even I got bored. Even someone who's, you know, known of Jen Harmon for for many years, 
You and I got bored with it quickly. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'll talk a bit about the PPA. A user on our website, on PokerFraudAlert.com, received this email. This was actually sent to Rolo Tomasi. Uh... We're reviewing our membership records in advanced launch of one of our exclusive 2013 premium benefits. Now, what, what premium benefits would you get from the PPA? I thought they were like a lobbying organization. Like, <laughs> what, what, what benefits do you get? Do you, do you get to sit on uh, Rich Muni's lap when he goes to the Department of Justice? Like, uh, what, what benefits could there be? Anyway. Rake back. <laughs> Rake back. <laughs> so, uh, as one of our most valuable activists and supporters... And by the way, this this guy isn't. Rolo Tomasi is not. He's just uh, on their mailing list. So they just, they just call him one of our most valuable activists and supporters. Uh, I know you understand the importance of creating a regulated and safe environment for online poker. That's why we need you to join the PPA as a 2013 member today. Now, I should start out this radio show with, Hello, listener. As my favorite listener of anybody who listens to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, I'm glad you joined me tonight. You are my favorite listener. You're, you're my most valuable listener. You right now listening. Not going to name you, but you. I mean, that, that's what this letter's saying. It's, it's like a, an insult. Uh, to make joining an even better bet, an even better bet, like like a, a gambling pun. We, we've worked with our friends at Hogwild Poker. What is Hogwild Poker? <laughs> what? <Jesus>. What? <laughs> Hogwild, what is Hogwild Poker? Is this a joke? Like 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 Quad Jacks of the Wombat Poker? Is that what this is? I have no, I've never heard of what Hogwild, is Hogwild Poker. Poker? To, to create a new, exciting four-week series that could land you in an exclusive $1,000 free roll. We, we have free rolls almost as big as that here. Fe- featuring former World Series champ and PPA ambassador Greg Raymer. The series starts on Monday, January 7th, so join today. Click this link to join the PPA for 2013 for just $15. Your membership helps make a difference between passing sensible federal and state laws that regulate and safeguard online poker and not being able to play the game we love online. That doesn't even make a sense. So they're saying that this makes a difference... Uh, oh, I see. It makes a difference between passing the laws and not being able to play it. It's like a long run-on sentence. Will you chip in $15 to join the PPA for 2013? Proud to play... Uh-huh. That's the way it signs off. Instead of sincerely, it's proud to play. Brian Spadaro, membership director. P.S. We're adding exclusive premiums throughout the year that will only be available to 2013 members. Don't miss out. Join the PPA today for a chance to play with Greg Raymer. So I don't get what these premiums are. Again, like, is the big thing here for their entire membership base a $1,000 free roll for that huge organization? That's not very generous. That's, it's not very exciting. Uh, and you can play with Greg Raymer. That's, that's also a huge thrill. But uh, let me tell you guys, in, in all seriousness, if you got this email, why I don't feel you should join the PPA. Why, or shall I say, why I feel you should not join it. Even if it's just 15 bucks. Even if you really want to see online poker legalized, as I do. Believe me, I do. Uh, as I'm sure... Johnny does, as I'm sure everybody who, who plays poker for a living wants to see. I, I don't want to give $15, not because I'm cheap, but because I think it's I make better use of the money wiping my ass with it. 
These are why I feel these are the reasons you feel you should not be joining the PPA. First of all, they have a six plus year history of failure. They've existed since 2006. They've received many millions of dollars in funding, mostly from the big poker sites, and they've accomplished very little. They've had almost no influence on the poker legalization effort. As you can see, poker is not legal. It's gotten worse. It hasn't gotten better. Now, I'm not expecting them to perform miracles, but they've had just about no impact. I mean, just think about what they have changed. What, what has their existence changed? And the answer is just about nothing. But even worse, they're arrogant and unwilling to take suggestions. If you go to their forum on 2 Plus 2, they have their own forum there, you can see Rich Muni, who's the uh, vice president, and others in the PPA brass attacking people who dare question their methods. They don't take constructive criticism well. They fight with people on their forum. And not, not even people who are like really rude. They just, they, they just attack if you dare question what they're doing. And uh, it, their forum there pretty much exists only for one reason. That, that is co- to command the unwashed masses of 2 plus 2 to do what they say. Go fill out this position. This petition. Go contact uh, your senator. Go contact your congressman. This is what you should say. This is what you should do. You do what we say. We know what's good for you. That's the way they act over there. They don't ever ask the community's feedback. They, they don't ever ask people, hey, what do you think we should do next? Hey, do you have any ideas for us? Hey, how do you think we're doing? They, they don't ask these things. They don't say, hey, yeah, you bring up a good point. We'll, we'll do it differently next time. They never say things like that. Another big problem with them. Big scandals that have occurred in poker where they could have really made a difference. They didn't. The AP and UB scandals, the PPA said nothing. They, they, they existed then. They could have sent out an email to all their members saying, do not play on AP, do not play on UB. These sites are cheat sites. They, they haven't come clean with what's going on there. They haven't paid everyone back, etc., etc. Do not deposit on there. Do not play on there. Get your money off now. If they said that, there would have been a mass exodus from UB and AP because the PPA was well-respected then. But they didn't do this. Why didn't they do this? I asked them on 2 plus 2, and they said... That's not part of our mission. That's not our scope. We we are here to lobby for online poker legalization, not to fight against cheating. Sorry. So a huge thing like this, a huge thing that hurt poker so badly, that hurt so many poker players, online poker players, who they're supposed to represent, they couldn't send out one email saying, don't play on these sites, stay away from them. They couldn't even do that. And they also didn't want to help in the recovery of full tilt money until there was overwhelming public pressure to do so, and then when they finally made an about-face and decided to help out on the, you know, the cause of getting back the full tilt money, uh, they actually got a meeting with the Department of Justice and blew it. They just stayed laughably quiet and passive through the whole thing. And, and finally, they were a puppet organization of full tilt and poker stars for many years. Uh, I don't blame full tilt and poker stars for wanting that and, and for paying for that because they're the ones who funded them, but... Unfortunately, the PPA's priorities for all these years were the priorities of the big online poker sites and not of the American poker players. So that's these are the reasons I, I say do not give $15 or any money to the PPA. They just have not accomplished anything, and they have not appreciated their membership. They've not appreciated the support of the community. So it, it's time to just uh, cast that organization aside and say goodbye. And say, uh, you know, we don't really have an alternative right now. But you guys did not do the job, and we're done with you. 
It's, it's kind of like breaking up with your girlfriend even though you don't have anybody else to date right now. That, that's what I suggest you do with the PPA. So, uh, um, Johnny, how, how have you felt about the PPA? Uh, the, the PPA, I, I kind of feel the same as you. I think that they also take, like, some really strange strategy uh, lines, I guess, when dealing with uh, how they're going to try and push for the legalization of online poker. I mean, for a while, I think they were taking the skill game uh, standpoint, and I don't know, it just, it's, I joined the PPA simply because there was a poker stars free roll for new PPA signups. Um, <laughs> but everything they send me goes straight to the fan, the spam uh, email and straight to the delete button. It's just a ridiculous organization. Like you said, they've done nothing. So why should we now give them anything? I mean, if they could point to one thing that they did, that helped for the advancement of online poker in a hugely positive way, then I would say, all right, maybe they need the $15 to keep, you know, pushing forward with this work, but they really haven't. Yeah, you know? right. And, uh, There's but... nothing that a, a collective group of, of diligent two-plus-tours couldn't do more effectively than they do. You right, know right. What I mean? they're, they're batting just about zero. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, I talked about the Full Tilt connection, but uh, they didn't know Full Tilt was stealing money from, uh, from people when they were taking the, the, the donations. But still, uh, they were going to bat for Full Tilt, going to bat for Poker Stars. And, uh, you know, Howard Lederer was even asked if uh, he ever met Rich, Rich Muni uh, and John yeah, Pappas from the PPA and, uh, and, and if he ever gave money to them. This is what he said. I have no recollection. I remember one time at a party. <laughs> So that's, One time at a party. That's when he met him. But anyway, uh, that, that's my suggestion about the PPA. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to like them when they first showed up on the scene. I, I really wanted to believe in them, and I, I really wanted them to be the superheroes that rescue poker, or at least some some version of it. But they weren't. Todd, when the PPA first uh, was on the scene, did, did you... Patch up? I don't remember. Did you? Did they know they were aggressively pushing patches at poker tournaments back in the boom? Yeah, were it's you funny. one of their endorsers? Well, I refused to wear one in 2009 when I appeared on with Phil Helmuth, and uh, you know when he busted me when I flopped that set. There, I just refused to wear one. I didn't go into the whole spiel like I didn't when they asked me, "Do you want to wear this?" I didn't. Uh, I didn't badmouth them. I just said, "Oh, sorry, I have too many patches on already." I didn't want to create controversy at that. I wanted to concentrate on the tournament. Uh, that's the only time they ever asked me. Uh, the only other time I appeared on TV at a you know, playing poker when the PPA existed was in 2007. Uh, or actually, I would have appeared on TV. I, I didn't. I didn't quite make it. But when I finished tenth in the $1,000 No Limit with Rebuys event, it was going to be on TV. But they were only going to show the, the first nine people, and I busted tenth with a beat on the river. And uh, but but places were coming up to me and telling me like if you make the final nine, here's what we're going to offer you. Like Full Tilt came to me and some others came to me. The PPA wasn't anywhere there, but maybe they were going to show up the next day when the final table actually existed. But had they offered me then, I also would have refused. Even back in 2007, I just uh, by then I had already decided that the organization was useless and, and arrogant. So I, I didn't want to support them. And I think some people just, I, I think most people just don't know. They just put the patch on because they think they're helping poker. 
and they they don't realize that they're supporting something that uh, is is basically wasting everyone's time and money, and and could have a lot of effect, but isn't doing it right, and doesn't want to listen to any advice to do it right. So, um, anyway, uh, let's. Uh, someone said in the chat the PPA has photos of Greg Raymer with Lady Boys. <laughs> That's explaining why he uh, he hasn't ditched them yet. That may, may be true. <laughs> so, yeah, Greg Raymer is like. He's like handcuffed to that organization. Uh, I, I think, everywhere, you, every time I see him on television, it's like a, there's a PPA something or other mentioned. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I think it's because he got so involved with it so early on, and now he's kind of married to it. Like uh, he kind of feels like uh, you know, it's it just so attached to him at this point that uh, he wants it to succeed, and he doesn't want to walk away. I think it's kind of one of those things. It's it's just kind of like uh, like anything. That you, you become part of a cause or part of an organization, and even when it's seen better days and even when it's made a lot of mistakes, you if you've been such a large part in building it up, you just don't want to give up on it. That, that, that's kind of what I'm seeing from Greg Raymer. So, um, anyway, that's, that? that's, that's my feelings of the PPA. Moving on, um, and by the way, for those of you that, that don't like the serious poker topics, we will have one prank call a little later on. With Colonel Nigel Fabersham calling the Rio, so uh, hang on for that, uh, which will be fairly soon. Um, the PPA, or we were talking about the PPA. I'm sorry, Eric Lindgren. He's back in the news. Very interesting article if you haven't read it. In Bluff, so you can find it online. You can also, you know, go to the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum. I think of page six of the Eric Lindgren thread, which is the one at the top right now you can see the link to the Bluff article where Eric Lindgren basically admits that everything said about him was true. He did owe people a lot of money. He did screw people on fantasy football. He does have a big-time gambling problem. He is broke. Like, everything that's been said about him, he pretty much said, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's true. He is in rehab now. Uh, it actually looks like a nice rehab facility. But, um, yeah, Eric has gone to rehab. And uh, it's in Newport Beach, California, a very nice area of Southern California in Orange County. And he's 36 years old. I thought he was older than that, but he's only 36. And uh, what surprised a lot of people about Lindgren, and I know I talked about this actually on the Filthy Limper show back when this first kind of came out and when I didn't have this show yet. But what surprised everyone about Lindgren was that he did not seem like a degenerate. He seemed like a an all American guy, a straightforward, nice, honest, decent guy. He he wasn't the type you would think would screw people like this. He seemed like someone like what he says is what he means. Uh seems like a guy you could trust. So that's why this really shook the public when this came out. But at the same time Privately, a lot of people knew, and I knew this for years, that Lindgren was a huge degenerate, bet on everything, had a huge stable of horses. When I say horses, I mean poker horses that uh, he didn't even keep very good tabs on. Uh, he just blew money left and right. He was getting over $250,000 a month from Full Tilt as a distribution. And still, he was going broke constantly from his gambling problems and spending problems. 
Um, a lot of people played fantasy football with him because he was notorious for playing high-stakes fantasy football, setting his team, and then forgetting about it and getting involved with other things. And you know what happens in fantasy sports if you don't constantly set your lineup, your team finishes last. It's very hard to win if you neglect your fantasy team in any sport. So he was like a fantasy football fish, not because he sucks at it, but just because he was apathetic. And people knew this. But going back years, he was slow-paying people. Not just slow-paying, but if you tried to speed up the slow-paying, he'd get pissed and, and get nasty with you. But people kept playing with him year after year because he was like free money. And then finally, when uh, when the full tilt distribution stopped after Black Friday in 2011, everybody came out and said, oh my god, he's not paying the fantasy football money he owes to us for this year. Well, yeah, duh. But yeah, you guys took a risk. You knew he was a de- degenerate. You knew he was a slow payer. You knew he was going broke constantly and just getting his money refreshed by full tilt every so often. Or every month. Uh, that's the only reason you had him in your league. You you knew the risk. You knew he was free money if he paid, but there was always a risk he would not pay. I'm not saying he shouldn't have paid, but I'm saying that uh, the people who came forward on 2 plus 2 at first uh, uh, claimed victim a lot more than they really were. But anyway, the, the, the more interesting story that came out about him at the time was that he owed about a million dollars to Haralabov Volgaris, who's a, a well-known sports better. He also was involved in the poker community. But Haralabov said that uh, Lindgren owed him a million dollars or so and uh, was not paying up and now probably would never pay up. And that really shocked people. How can you owe someone that type of money? So, um, that was the story for a while until he went into rehab and and did this interview. Now, there's a few interesting things to have come out of this interview, aside from the fact that he's in rehab and admits to everything, uh, really related to the Haralabob Volgaris story. Now, now, first of all, what bothers me in this story, the way he treats Haralabob, is he said in this interview, I would like to make good on all my debts, said Lindgren, who admitted, who admitted some hostility toward Volgaris. It's probably safe to assume that he, referring to Volgaris, would be the last person I would deal with in the paying back of people. Bob has never been my favorite person, and vice versa, regardless of any money dealings we've had. But that being said, I do apologize that I'm in the wrong. Now, now, why should he be the last person to be paid back? I, I don't get it. What If you either owe the person the money in which you should pay them back, uh, I mean, you should really make it like first come, first served as far as paying people back. Or, or find some other fair scheme to do it. But just because you don't like someone... You know, he's never been my favorite person. Okay, great. He doesn't have to be your favorite person. If you legitimately owe him money, then pay him just like you would everybody else. And I hate when people who owe money do this. I hate when people who owe money to others start prioritizing it based upon how much they like the person and justify it. Oh, I'd pay this guy, but he's been a total asshole to me. Well, yeah, he's been an asshole to you. You owe him money. You haven't paid him. You cheated him. Of course he's an asshole. So I I hate when people do that. But this is so common in poker that people only want to pay those that they like when they owe money. When they borrow it, they, they don't borrow it under those terms. They don't say, I'm borrowing money now and I'll, I'll pay it back later if I like you. But that's what happens. So uh, then, of course, came the question of why does Haralabob Vulgaris, how did it get to the point where that much money is owed? 
I mean, did uh, <laughs> did Rolabob come to Lindgren and and say uh, that I'm going to make a bet for you for the sum of one million dollars? I mean, like, what happened? How, how did he end up owing him a million dollars? And uh, there's been a lot of theories thrown about, and and Haralabob has actually answered this himself, but I don't completely believe his answer. Because it is weird. I mean, who would be dumb enough to let someone owe them over a million dollars? Even if they are getting a regular 250 k per month. Still, uh, over a million dollars? That's crazy. Uh, Bob was basically saying that uh, he owned part of a sports book back in like 2005. And this is before Lindgren was even getting his his giant distributions from Full Tilt. He he owned part of Full Tilt, but was not getting those 250k distributions yet. Um, but he was saying that uh, that that basically he owned part of a sports book that he hooked up Eric to bet on. That it was a a small stake sports book, but that they were willing to take uh, Eric's action for for big money. And that um, when um, Eric ended up owing the sports book a lot of money. Um, uh, I, I guess that um, I, I guess this is what it was. I, I'm a little bit confused here. It was that Haralabob owned a sports book, and then um, another guy was going to buy that sports book, and Haralabob really wanted to get out of that business. He wasn't the only owner of that sports book, but uh, he wanted to get out of that business. And I guess the uh, the guy who was going to buy the sports book. Eric owed him money from sports betting, and uh, and and was referred to him by Haralabob. So the guy, supposedly the guy went to Haralabob and said, "Hey, you're the one who who brought this guy to me. And he can't pay, so I'm not going to buy your sports book now." So Haralabob is saying that's why he took over the debt to put the whole deal through. He said, "Look, okay, fine. I'll I'll take the, I'll buy the debt from you, and uh, and now you can buy my sports book." And the guy did. So that that's Haralabob's story, which makes sense on the surface. Except, we're talking about a very large sum of money. He claims it was like over $2 million, uh, some of which was paid, and that uh, uh, he still owes Haralabob like, like $1.4 million. But But how could you take a $2 million debt from someone? I mean, it just didn't make sense that he owed that much money of the sports book and that the sports book was worth so much that it was worth taking on Eric Lingard's $2 million of debt. So something's weird about this whole thing that I can't quite explain. And we're we're debating it. We're discussing it on our, on my forum on uh, the scam scandals and shadiness forum. Uh, Johnny, what's your opinion on this? What what do you think is uh, is going on here? Well, are there any details, Jeff, about what percentage uh, Haralbab owned of the sports book and what it was purchased for? No, he didn't say. He did say that the sports book was a small stake sports book where nobody could bet more than a thousand dollars. And uh, and that where Lindgren was betting was with someone else who was then going to buy that sports book, and that's where he was betting big. But uh, but no, not not the value of the sports book, not what was paid, none of that, or or what he owned of it, what percentage he owed. Uh, we don't know if it was a big percent, a small percent, but it's just so strange that for. Uh, um, I mean, is it likely that he would have made more money on the sale of the sports book? Uh, that it would have made sense for him to absorb that debt. Uh, just to both recover the money that he was getting, plus get out of the sportsbook industry, it was almost worth. 
uh, the $1.4 million or whatever it was that he took on. Yeah, see, that's what I'm having a hard time believing, just that the sports pick was that big and that he owned enough of a percentage where that was worth it. I mean, that's, that's a, a Do you lot... know the sports book, Jeff? No, it, he wouldn't say what it is. Public? No, nobody knows what it is, or at least I don't know. Okay. So uh, so it's it's weird. It's kind of a weird story. What were you saying? The really interesting thing about this story to me is um, going to rehab and being a professional poker player, it seems like Eric Lindgren is not going to leave that profession. Well, not only that, he mentioned something in the article. I can't find it right now, but uh, something in the article about how he's still going to bet sports, too. Like he's, he's going to rehab yeah. for gambling, but he's going to get out and, and play poker and bet sports. And I, I don't think that's very smart. And I also, even if he wasn't planning to bet sports, uh, getting out and just going to play poker when you have major degenerate tendencies, it, it can't really work like that. Even if Lindgren is a winning poker player, even if he can stick to what he's good at and win, and he can say, well, that's not really gambling because that's a skill game and I've always been good at it and I've always made money in poker, blah, blah, blah. You know, um... Once you're putting yourself in that community, it's like going for having an alcohol addiction and then being a bartender. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Like you're putting yourself back in the gambling community, which caused this problem in the first place, and it just doesn't make any sense. But I guess he feels that this is his only skill. This is his only way to make money. And I guess it is true. How else is Eric Lindgren ever going to not only support himself and his family, but also pay anyone back? So this is the way a lot of poker players feel when when they go bust. Is that their only option is to keep playing and play their way out of it. And uh, so that's what he's doing here. And I, I think it especially is weird when you go to rehab for gambling in preparation to gamble when you get out. I, I agree that's totally strange. And I wonder how much his wife, Erica, is going to continue putting up with this. She's she's stuck by him through all this. But um, I I don't know. If, um, he just better hope that the child support isn't calculated based on his full tilt income. <laughs> he probably hopes it is now because his income is zero. But, uh, you know, he, she's stuck by him this far. And, I, of course, when they have a kid together, that makes it a lot harder for her to get up and leave. But uh, at the same time, she has to be thinking, you know, a lot of dudes probably still want me. You can probably get a pretty good guy at this point, even with a, even though even though she has a kid. I'm sure, sure plenty of guys that still want her. They're in a lot better I'm spot. I'm sure than... Benjamin is standing here text messages in the middle of the night. Yeah, Benjamin's like, hey, maybe I can make this happen again. So here, you know, people have asked uh, how big were the bets on Haralabov Sportsbook, and I said that they were uh, only up to $1,000. But here were the different uh, bet levels. This is uh, someone who is familiar with it describing it. I just got the sound bite sent to me. So we have the $100 level, $250, $500, 750, 1,000, 1,500, oh, 2,000, wow. and 3,000. I didn't know it went that high. Never mind. I guess it was up to 3,000. The $3,000 insanity level. Yeah. And I heard, I heard that if you make a bet, like a $100 bet, and then a friend of yours comes in and bets $500, all of your bets are now calculated at the $500 rate. That, that sounds like a good sports book. I wish it was still owned by Haralabob. So we have the $100 level, 250. 500, 750, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, and 3,000. <laughs> so that's, uh, for those of you that don't know, that's actually Six-Toed Pete on a, a little uh, money-making scheme he had at one point. 
and uh, someone sent me that clip. I, I thought it uh, it fit in well with the motif, and uh, the person who sent it to me also suggested that I uh, relate it to this whole situation. I, I can't take full credit for this, or even partial credit. <laughs> was that that was that sent to you by uh, Crow Diddley by any chance? I, I don't want to say you sent it to me, but uh, oh, okay, someone sent it to me. Well, he, he didn't send it to me, but he does a lot of that type so of stuff for Silver Radio. And he's very good at it. So, so we have the hundred dollar level, two fifty, five hundred, seven fifty, one thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, and three thousand. <laughs> He, you know, he should have managed Haralabob's sports book. Then Haralabob probably wouldn't have had to sell it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to place my bet when I hear that. Okay, so uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird. Do you situ- think that this this whole rehab bluff article broke in the Eric Lindgren story? Do you think it's all just a way for him to kind of save a little bit of face through all this? Well, yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a lighter version it's of Howard Lindgren, phony, come clean type deal. Yeah, you know. it's, it's yeah, it's kind of like a, a lighter version of what Howard Letterer was trying to do. Where you know the reason Howard did those stupid interviews on Poker News was because he really thought it was going to save his reputation. You know, Howard really thought that uh, that coming on there and saying things like uh, "Afternoon," I don't even know when. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He, he thought that was going to save his reputation, and when when he saw the reaction to it was terrible, that's when he canceled his future interviews. But um, yeah, Lindgren uh, decided, you know, hey, I'm in rehab. This is evidence that I'm, you know, trying to get better. Sorry, everybody, I screwed up. I admit to everything that happened. I'm going to work to pay everyone back. Sorry about that. It, it was something like that, and, uh, and and maybe even to hopefully get people to stake him in the future. And I will say about Lindgren, I don't think he set out to rip anyone off here. I, I think he was, of course, very misleading to people about his financial situation. Uh, I don't think he was setting out to scam people. I, I think that uh, he just uh, got used to the full tilt money coming in, and just he was so into action that if he could get action, he didn't bother to think about where the money came from or would continue to come from. Uh, and even after Black Friday, the same thing, just kind of said, hey, I'll find a way to make it work, and, and didn't care about how it would affect other people. And I'm not, of course, I'm not defending him. This is terrible what he did. But I, I don't think he set out to scam anyone, and I do believe that if Eric Lindgren. Let's say Eric Lindgren hypothetically won the main event in 2013. Highly unlikely, but let's say he did. I really do think he would use a lot of that money to pay people back. So I, I think he, he would like to pe- pay people back. He, he's not really a scammer at heart, but on the other hand, he's such a degenerate that he's willing to hurt people in order to feed his sickness. And I think that putting him back in the poker community is just going to make the problem happen all over again, but maybe not as much because people are aware. So I, I guess, if anything, the the article, at least it accomplishes making more people aware who don't read 2 plus 2. So that, that's my take on the situation, and I guess I guess we'll see what happens. But it, it's kind of hard for me to believe that uh, Lindgren is ever going to really rebound from this. Uh, really, his source of money was the 250k a month from Full Tilt, and he's never going to have anything like that again. So it's hard to win millions upon millions of dollars in poker, and that's what he needs to get out of this hole. It's just hard to win that um, on a regular basis. You can luck into it, but it really is hard, especially in this day and age, to just say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go back to poker and win millions of dollars. Like, yeah, sure, you'd like to, but it's really a hard thing to do. And even a lot of the people you see on TV and a lot of the people who have great tournament results, and you look at the, all the millions of winnings they have listed on, on the uh, 
Handed Mob database. You subtract all their expenses and all their buy-ins from it, and it's a lot less than you think that they've actually won. I'm not saying nobody wins in tournament poker, but I'm just saying it's a uh, a lot of people make a lot less than it appears from the stats. A lot less. A so, lot of broke millionaires out there. Yes, yes, a lot of them. Not not just Jean Robert. One million dollars. Anyway. Uh, moving along to the next subject we have here. Where's my agenda here? Here we are. Um, let's talk about uh, Caesars, and then then we'll do a prank call. Caesars, the company that brings us the World Series. Uh, by the way, do you have any idea when they're going to announce the schedule for the 2013 World Series? I don't. I'm on the mailing list for... Uh... For the WSOP, all the media stuff, and I have not seen anything yet, and it's getting kind of close. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on that list too, and I've seen nothing. I thought maybe I just didn't get it. I, I actually went and looked. I, I scoured the web today to find it because I was thinking I, I had to have missed it. I thought it was just something I, I deleted or, or ended up in my spam box, but no, it has not been announced to my knowledge or to your knowledge, and uh, it's January 8th already. So uh, that's. Uh, I really wish it would be announced because I, I like to plan a lot of these things early, especially if I have a family now. In the past, I really didn't give a shit because I, I just uh, um, I just play whenever it was and, you know, I would make sure to be in Vegas the entire time and I didn't have to plan anything around it, but uh, oh, Seriously Serious is saying it's going to be announced in February. It's pretty late. I don't know why they can't get this down earlier. I mean, why should it be February? Like, wh- How hard is it to make a schedule of 60 or so events and then Put it out there. Why February? They have so much weird. Anyway, um, but I like to be able to schedule these things in advance because I have a child and uh, it requires a lot of preparation on my part to be able to uh, spend long periods of time away from him and and put the entire burden on his mother to take care of him. So uh, I'm looking forward to that schedule. But but anyway. Uh, Caesars, who not only owns the World Series, but uh, owns a lot of hotels in Vegas. Caesars Palace, Harris, the Rio, of course, uh, Pally, or Pally's, Bally's Paris, Planet Hollywood, Imperial Palace, a.k.a. the Quad, the Flamingo. They, they own all these uh, hotels. And they own hotels in, in other places as well. Um, they are in trouble. They are really, really starting to struggle. Their stock is only uh, trading at $7 and change after hitting a high of $17 and change earlier this year. So much more than a 50% loss from the high. And they're really having a cash flow problem. Apparently, the only part of Caesars that is making a lot of money is the World Series. That's, That's really their only good asset. Everything else is, is running them into trouble. So uh, I'm, I'm going to read some things here. Uh, and this is aside from something I found, which we'll make a prank call about later, some funny signs in Caesar's own properties. But um, let me read you some, uh, some things about Caesar's, the company. Um, the avenues to survival, let alone profitability, seem to be blocked off for Caesar's. Any analysis of the company's current earnings seem to be seem to project an equity value of zero. Huh. 
and there should be little expectation that the company can create enough top and bottom line growth to overcome its $2 billion annual interest bill. That's $2 billion. So the interest they're paying, just the interest they're paying every year, is not... One million dollars. Or even two. It's actually 2,000 times that. One, two billion dollars interest they're paying. Unbelievable. Uh, and change that valuation before bondholders come calling. In short, it appears overwhelmingly likely that at some point Caesars will head into Chapter 11 bankruptcy or some other type of restructuring, whether by choice or by a breach of the company's loan covenants. And... Given the immense amount of debt that is secured by various properties, there will be little, if anything, left for equity holders to recover in such a scenario. That's a disaster. Um, and uh, really, the uh, the World Series of Poker is the most valuable asset in the division, it says. Caesars, uh, they also got a, uh, a, a thing called a Playtica, which, is gonna be, which runs their little uh, Caesars Poker uh, casino. But unfortunately, uh, Playtica is not that valuable without the ability to offer U.S. online poker that's legalized. They, you know, they can't offer it in the U.S., obviously. So uh, um, they have users kind of the same way Zynga Poker does on uh, Playtica Slot Mania and the Casino, the Caesars Casino. But uh, they have a lot fewer members, probably about a quarter of what Zynga has. So uh, I don't think that they're worth anywhere near what Zynga's worth. And um, the estimate in this article is that Playtica itself is only worth about $50 million, which sounds like a lot, but uh, you, know, you just heard the $2 billion in interest payments they have to make. And uh, the, the one good thing for, the, for Caesars, of course, is the World Series. They acquired it in 2004 for just about nothing. Um, not only did they make a lot of money on the event itself, but uh, they make a lot of money from ESPN, and they have a television contract with ESPN extended now through 2017. And it's not clear how much has been paid by uh, ESPN to the World Series, but it's probably a lot. So that's really the only thing doing well there, despite a lot of the incompetence in running it. But it's very likely that they're going to end up in bankruptcy at some point. This company is really circling the drain. And uh, while I don't have personal familiarity with the business side of things with Caesars, I'm going to call somebody else now who uh, who does, who at least uh, did at one point, and that's JSTAT. He told me that this is a user on our forum, and he told me that uh, I can call him about the subject, and he has something that... Uh, Um, that, that he, he wants me to uh, put him on here so he can tell us about some things he knows about Caesar. Sorry for the distraction there. Someone sent me something else here. Um, here's the phone number. Put him on. Hopefully he will answer. Todd, who buys the World Series of Poker if it's for sale? Like, who do you think is going to pay whatever price they need to get for that? I have no idea. I, th- I think it's an attractive thing to buy, but of course it matters what the price is. Uh, I have to imagine one of the other casino companies. Hello? Maybe MGM, yeah. Uh, JSTAT, hello. Hello, Todd. 
So uh, you said you wanted to talk about uh, about Caesars, and uh, you said you know much about the 2008 sale of uh, Caesars Harris. It involved corruption. Uh, and so, so go ahead and tell us uh, tell us about that 2008 sale involving Caesars and Harris when when Caesars uh, took over the whole thing basically. Uh, tell well, us about the corruption. My, my, my wife uh, is named Margarita Ritalis, and that's very familiar to your name. And uh, she's a teacher, and uh, her, her pension fund. She asked me to check into it, and uh, I found out about. Um, her pension fund investing billions of dollars in Harris at the time. Huh. And um, it, it morphed into a much bigger uh, fraud uh, where uh, the owner of uh, Apollo, you know, Apollo Management, which co-owned Caesars with TPG, bribed uh, a placement agent $60 million to bundle um, the sale of Harris between 2006 and 2008. And, uh, and our attorney general Jerry Brown caught him uh, red-handed, and but nailed um, the placement agent Alfred Villa Lobos, and Teflon Leon Black uh, got a slap on the wrist. I say in 2015, uh, Caesars will be bankrupt, and this will all come out, and we'll hear it on American Greed on CNBC with. Stacy Keach, the whole story is so long that I bore your uh, our audience, but you know bribery, fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so, but you say this really hasn't hit uh, mainstream media yet. No, I, I broke I broke the story in two thousand nine, and it, um, it it won't go come out in the mainstream media because Caesars is too big. Too big to fail, and there are too many people invested in this, including California citizens. We could be on the hook uh, at least five billion dollars if Caesars goes bankrupt. So, so now you actually feel this is being covered up because the, too many people will be hurt by it. But usually, in, in this day and age, uh, things come out in the media anyway, even if they end up being very harmful. It's, I, I just find it rare in this day and age that things can be kept quiet if it's a very large story. Uh, someone well, who well, wants well, a break who doesn't give a crap. Well, the Wall Street Journal uh, went as far as uh, implicating uh, Apollo management with, with uh, CalPERS. That's the public pension system. But they did not connect the dot yet with uh, that money being bundled, bundled into Caesars at the time. And, I, you know, it won't come out. But, but Caesars won't go bankrupt because until 2015, like I said, because uh, their owner could go possibly go to jail for bribery. Yep. Okay, I mean, that'll be but interesting that, to see if, if that happens. Uh, and I guess you'll say, I told you so to everybody. But uh, yeah. yeah, I've written about it, and I, I, I just saw your um, plan for uh, tonight's show, and I just wanted to put my two cents worth. It, it, it's a long story. You know, I, I like Harris. I like the total rewards. I'm a diamond member. I'm not a seven star like you, but there is so much uh, uh, f- fraud going on to buy Harris. Yet, uh, I just thought I'd give you my two cents worth. Yeah. One, one other unrelated question: uh, Have you heard about uh, Marco leaving Quad Jacks and uh, no longer being with the Snake in the Grass? 
Oh, yeah. I, I heard him on Rich Muni's uh, broadcast. Well, what did he say? I haven't listened to that Rich Muni broadcast. What what, what did uh, Marco say? Uh, well, actually, I, I shouldn't even ask you. I was going to play this clip anyway. This, this is what I have Marco saying. <laughs> I had a little bit of a hard time understanding. So what, what did you hear? <laughs> well, well, Marco's blocked me from uh, Twitter. Like he has half the world. So he, I don't know. If he's going to burn bridges with people, I, yeah, I don't think he's going to get very far. God, I actually spoke to Marco this week. Oh, really? So, so Johnny, what, what did Marco say? What, for, like, he had to have had some kind of fight with a snake in the grass, but he's just his press release about it, if you can call it that, is like, uh, oh, I grew a lot during Quad Jacks. It's a big part of my life. Uh, blah blah blah. Moving on, like, a, like a very uh, cordial press release of what why he's leaving. But that's obviously not the truth. But uh, uh, what did you hear, Johnny? He was really diplomatic when I talked to him about it, but obviously you could tell him it's a snake in the grass issue. Um, me and him spoke for a while. He's actually going to be doing Filthy Lumber Radio in a month and a half because he doesn't want to be on any uh, quote-unquote hostile radio shows towards Quad Jack like Seriously Serious was when he started his Leaving Quad Jack media tour. Um <laughs> Which, which I thought was kind of funny, but uh, it's clearly just based on the conversation me and him had because he actually thought that he was calling me out on something that I said about them, and but in turn I told him the entire story, and he actually wound up apologizing uh, for some sponsor hijacking that Quad Jacks tried to do to us. Yeah. Um, clear snake in the grass situation. Shout out to Asian Spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I spoke to him this week, and I guess he, your show, my show, and probably Brian's show are considered hostile shows, and he can't do these until <laughs> a, a set amount of time has passed to make Zach feel better about whatever bullshit he's got going on. I wonder if he feels that this show is hostile because of... <laughs> Maybe that's the reason. Probably that, and... The, I know I did a quad fags segment where I did seriously serious him, Zach and Pete Lebrano a while back. So I think that I think it's <laughs> I've I've never seen such a successful program crash and dive so soon as yeah. they did. When you when you, you have know. a when you have a snake in charge, you uh, you'd be surprised how everything how quick uh, quickly everything can burn to the ground. And uh, it's uh, you know certain people just end up driving off certain other people. And, uh, you know, it seems like Zach is just someone that people can't stand to be around for too long. He just drives them all away. And, and we, we've all had our experiences with him doing sneaky and underhanded things. You know, like, like the, the funny thing is, the reason we call him the snake in the grass, he hasn't done anything, like, directly, like, to, to, to my face or to other people's face that I know that's uh, confrontational. What, what he, I know he's done it to you, Jay Stat, but... Uh, uh, what he's just done is, is gone behind our backs and done really shitty and, and sneaky things and underhanded things. And uh, so that's that's why we call him the snake in the grass. And it, it doesn't surprise me that eventually people like, like Marco and Sirius of Sirius, who uh, are, you know, by all accounts, a lot better people than Zach, eventually get tired of it and leave. So uh, though I, I think Marco still has some kind of weird semi-loyalty to him, as, as you were kind of indicating here, Johnny, and uh, at least doesn't want to make waves. Yeah. I think he just doesn't want to be that guy where he he leaves with controversy. But 
you know, I, have you seen Clyde? I actually went to Clyde Jack for the first time in months uh, just the other day to see what was going on, and it looks to just be a draft, fantasy draft affiliate. Like yeah, they've, they've totally changed the direction of it, and uh, it looked like they really, uh, I think the turning point for them was when they were going to, like, charge people to be in their chat room or something ludicrous like that. And, uh, like, right that's when that, that happened, that's when, that's when, like, there was a backlash to them. And uh, the, they, they had a sports tout named uh, Fairway J, who predicted the forty uh, the Giants would lose to the Colorado Rockies against John, John, Jonathan Sanchez. So I wrote, I said the Giants own this man. You know, no way, don't believe this man. And uh, as soon as the Giants won and the Quad Jacks uh, tout lost, he deleted his uh, prediction. So <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that's pretty good. If you can just delete all your uh, wrong sports picks, then you can you can be a hundred percent. You can you can pick better than the Iceman who picks seventy uh, percent. Marco should have left just then during the summer. Yeah, well, yeah. there's a lot of reasons he should have left. But okay, uh, Jason, thank thank you for calling in and giving us your perspective. Well, on this well thanks, uh, John and Todd. Take care. Thank you. We're gonna move to a different topic here. And uh, so, um, speaking of Harris and Caesars. Lighter topic. Are you at all concerned about your seven card status? Should Caesars go bankrupt? No, no. Uh, I, I, I think that'll be retained. I don't think that uh, I'm going to lose that. But uh, yeah, I, I am a seven star there, and uh, so I've had a lot of experience with Caesars, a lot of personal experience, and uh, so I'm going to give you my take on Caesars' company and operationally how the place runs. And I think, unfortunately, this kind of bleeds into their business side of things. You you can't be a total mess operationally, typically, and have everything in order from the business side of your of of your company. It just usually doesn't happen that way. Usually, when when one part of the company is sick, then the whole thing is just you know some departments can be worse than others. But it's a, it's unusual to have a company that's uh, really healthy in some ways and really sick in other ways. Um, I am a seven-star, and uh, I, I want to start off by saying the seven-star program, which is, again, the, the top level of the player's cards there. You know, If you get a card at, at a Caesars property, you start off with gold, which is the bottom level. Then you move up to platinum as you play, then diamond, and then seven-star. And seven-star, uh, the benefits you get by being a seven-star are by far the best that I know of of any player's club program for you know, the top tier anywhere. Uh, I'll give you some examples of what you get for being a 7-star. Uh, you get a once-a-year $500 dinner at any of the restaurants. You get a free trip, including airfare, to any of their properties in the country once a year. Uh, you can get free lift tickets at uh, various ski resorts in the West, uh, and stay at their property. And here, here's a huge benefit coming up. You can stay at any of their properties in the U.S. for free at any time given 48 hours notice. That um, they will always try to make room for you, even if they're sold out. And that's huge. That means you can stay there on New Year's for free, which is usually very, very expensive, and stay other high-traffic weekends for free. You, you, can, st- you can stay a lot of time in Caesar's properties for free. You can't quite live there because you can't just say, hey, I'm going to make a 365-day reservation. You can only make like four or five days at a time. 
and then you have to wait two days in between. You can you can get your host to actually make an exception to that, but but you're guaranteed uh, at least four nights straight for free at any other properties. Uh, when I say any other properties, I should put an asterisk. Any city they exist. So, like if I go, if I say I want to say it's Caesars and Caesars is full, they can say, okay, sorry, we're going to force you to stay at Paris or one of our other properties instead. But uh, for example, if I go to Harris Laughlin. Uh, they would have to let me stay there. They 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 would have to put me up there for free, even if they're sold out, unless they literally don't have any beds left. So that that's a huge benefit. Uh, then you also get a free cruise once a year that uh, you can pick from uh, one of various itineraries. And as you achieve like further levels in the seven star, you get other benefits, other free trips, and other things. I mean, this is far better than anything that uh, comes from any kind of players' club club at other casinos. I, I'm the top tier, for example, at the Cosmopolitan, and you get crap there. They have a few promotions, but really, it's crap. The, the rooms are very nice at Cosmopolitan. I'm, I'm not nothing against Cosmo, but it's just the program between there and Caesars is just uh, day and night. So um, I'm not complaining about the seven star program, which I think is great. Um, what I am complaining about is the execution. For example, uh, they have uh, like twice a year seven star what they call signature events, which are only for seven stars where they have some kind of event. This year it was uh, a number of different things, and the highlight of the event was a uh, Don Henley concert in Las Vegas just for seven stars. Um, if you saw the operational fail involving that whole thing, you would laugh. Uh, for example, stupid little things like they say that you have to pick up your package that gives you access to everything on the first day, Friday. It starts out on a Friday. Guess what time they close the place on Friday to, to where you can't pick this up anymore? What time would you think they would close that? When they invite people from all over the country on Friday for this whole weekend worth of activities, including a Don Hanley concert, when do they close up the place that gives you the welcome package with all the info and all the tickets to everything? I would guess midnight, but I'm, it's probably something stupid like noon based on what right. you're saying. Yeah, it was 6 p.m. 6 p.m., people coming in on the first day from all over the country. If you get there after 6, you can't get your stuff on the first day of this stuff, including activities on that, include, that, that exist on the first day. So if you don't get there by 6, the activity later that night you can't go to. Like they, yeah, these are not huge things, but but like this is the typical operational fail of Caesars. Then for the Don Henley concert to get your ticket specifically for that, you you had to they couldn't figure out the hours that you were supposed to go pick it up. First they tell you it's between twelve and four, then it's between two and four, then it's between five and seven. They changed it like four times during the weekend. I'm not kidding about this. Like me and Brandon were laughing about it. And there were so many different things like this, and this is for their best customers, the seven stars. And there are so many different fails that exist both for the seven-star program and for just regular customers of Caesars where it's really hard to stay at one of their properties without just laughable things occurring. And when I say laughable, sometimes they're not that funny because they're really frustrating. Like, for example, the last two times I stayed at Caesars, including just this last week, it took me over an hour to check out due to errors on my bill that they had a hard time correcting. Over an hour. And I, I'm not talking about me trying to be Jewish and, and, and squeeze credits out of them or something. I'm talking about correcting errors, correcting mistakes. It took them over an hour to do each time. 
because no one knew what they were doing, and it was you know it, it was a disaster. So um, there is so much operational fail at this company. Now some things are funnier than others, and I posted two funny signs that are currently sitting up at Caesar's own properties. One's at Harris, and one is at C- at Rio. And we're going to make a call about the Rio one, but the the Harris one. Did you see this, uh, Johnny? Was that fifty percent chance of fun? Yes. Yeah, so there's a a sign they have of people playing craps, and it says the odds on fun are one to one. Now, obviously, that's that's like a they're trying to rhyme here, and they show these people like really happy as they're tossing the dice or craps. So they're trying to say that the odds here are a hundred percent you're going to have fun if anything else. You have nothing else. That Whether you win or lose, you're going to have fun. The odds are one-to-one. Except there's a problem with that. One-to-one odds do not mean 100%. They mean 50%. <laughs> so here's a casino that doesn't understand how odds work. And they actually make a large sign that sits in Harris that actually says in giant print, the odds on fun are one-to-one. So Harris is telling you in a giant sign on their property that you're only going to have a 50% chance of having fun there. Could go either way. <laughs> this is what I mean. I mean, this isn't like a little pamphlet they printed that some idiot printed without anyone noticing. This is a giant sign that's probably taller than me uh, sitting in the lobby. I, I, it wasn't the lobby. It was in the hallway, but still. Unbelievable that this, this would see the light of day. In a casino of all places. It's not like someone trying to make a gambling joke in a place where they don't they're not expected to understand gambling, like in a restaurant. It's not like uh, this is a Kentucky Fried Chicken and they made a, a gambling odds mistake. This is in a casino. The odds on fun are one-to-one. So, then there's another one, which is not... Uh, this is more of a marketing and pricing fail rather than something stupid. You know, it's not stupid wording. But this is in the Rio. This is I saw this actually at the uh, desk where you purchase show tickets at the Rio. It says, you can now purchase beverage credits at all Rio-owned bars and lounges. And by the way, this thing is all over the place. This is just where I saw it first. Here's the deals you can get. Get $50 worth of cocktails for only $35. Get $100 worth of cocktails for only $75. Get 200 worth of cocktails for only $150. So this is if you're a big drunk and you don't want to pay full price for the cocktails at Rio. You can get some prepaid credits in these denominations, 50 100 or 200 for $35, 75 or 150 and save money. Sounds like a good idea, except listen to the values again. You get $50 worth of credits for 35 You get $100 worth of credits for 75 Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, if you bought $50 worth of credits twice for 35 that would mean you get $100 worth of credits for 70 So why would anyone buy $100 worth of credits for 75 And then, in addition, why would anyone buy 200 worth of credit for 150 even forgetting the thing I just talked about here, if you can get 100 for 75 why not just buy that twice as you need it rather than buy 200 right off the bat for 150 you don't gain anything. They're readily available in whatever increments you want, right? That, like that, that's what it appears to be from from everything I've read. But we're gonna we're gonna verify this from a call by Colonel Fabersham. Otherwise, this is completely ludicrous. The, the only way this could make the slightest bit of sense is if you can only buy the fifty dollars worth of credits once. 
And then if you want more, that you have to buy 100. And if you want more, you have to buy 200. But if you can buy the 50 twice, there's no reason ever to buy 100 for 75 if you can get 50 twice for 70. And this isn't even like you have to knock yourself out to save money. It's not like you have to walk all the way across somewhere to save five bucks or, you know, you have to do something difficult to save five bucks. This is just, hey, can I have two $50 cards instead of one $100 card? Okay, thank you. I'll save five dollars. Like, like, who would ever buy more and, and pay more per per dollar worth of drink? You're supposed to get a discount for buying more, not for buying less. You know, it's, it's like you coming up to me and saying, uh, um, you know, hey, can you sell me a Pepsi? And I say, okay, sure. I'll sell you one Pepsi for a dollar, and I'll sell you two Pepsis for two dollars fifty cents. You'll say, well, can I buy one Pepsi twice? Yeah, sure. Then why wouldn't I do that? Well, you can, but you could also just buy two right now for two fifty. Like that's how stupid it is. But let's find out. Let's find out if there's any kind of reason why anyone would ever buy a hundred dollars worth. Colonel Fabersham is going to call the Rio right now, and he's going to call where I saw this sign, and that is at the Rio box office. So, and uh, we're going to ask them about it. And if they can't give us answers, I'm going to get someone else who can. We get to the bottom of this one. Jeff, were your Jewish spidey senses going nuts when you first caught a glimpse of that sign? Oh, I couldn't tear my eyes off of it. <laughs> I also can't get my eyes off of the Skype thing. Thank you for calling the Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. This call may be monitored and recorded for quality assurance. By the way, that's so Please misleading. hold, and the next available agent will be with you momentarily. It's not all sweet. It's a lie. And compass the entire spectrum of the classic. Thanks for calling the Rio Las Vegas. This is Linda. How may I assist you? Uh, hello. Can I nod your Fabersham here? Um, uh, if you'd be kind enough to uh, connect me to the box office, please. Certainly my pleasure. One moment. All right. Off we go. Uninhibited fun is what you'll find at Rio All Suite Hotel oh, and Casino. Fun. Known as the local bad boys of magic, Penn and Teller delights audiences with an edgy mix of comedy and illusion. Every show is unique, and you can even meet the chatty Penn and the silently expressive Teller after the curtain falls. The Platters, Cornell Gunner no, Coaster, and the Marvelettes bring their unforgettable lineup of history-making rock and roll and soulful... Thank you for calling Caesars Entertainment what Show Reservations. Thank you for calling Caesars Entertainment Show Reservations. Our office hours are 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. So wait, Pacific Standard Time. For out. additional information regarding shows and entertainment, please visit our website at Caesars.com. Right, we're going to call this back. So it took this long to get an automated... This is what I mean. Like, why, shouldn't it in, why shouldn't it instantly go to that? Why should we have like a three-minute call to find this out? I like in the chat they're debating the whole one-to-one odds thing. Calling the Rio Al Suite Hotel and Casino. This call may be monitored and recorded for quality yeah, assurance. so bad it's after nine. Please hold, and the next available agent I'm will be with you momentarily. Else. It doesn't have to be the box office. Encompass the entire spectrum of the classic rock. Thanks, kind of Rio Las Vegas. This is Linda. Let me assist you. Uh, hello, can I Nigel Fabersham here? I think I may have just spoken to you before, but um, I-, I wanted to speak with the. Um, 
uh, with the box office, um, but um, you connected me over there, and after some uh, substantial hold time, it said um, that, that they closed at 9 o'clock. Now, I'm not sure why you didn't just tell me that immediately, instead of putting me on hold for quite some time, but uh, uh, regardless, um, I do need to speak to someone about a matter that's not necessarily a box office issue, so maybe I can tell you what I'm calling about, and um, you can connect me to the proper department. Is that all right? Certainly. All right. Um so I saw a sign when I was down at the box office that said that um, you can get fifty dollars of drinks for thirty-five dollars. Are you familiar with this deal? No, I'm not. All right. All right. Well, let me tell you here. It says fifty dollars of drinks for thirty-five dollars if you pay in advance. A hundred dollars of drinks for seventy-five dollars. And I said, no, wait a minute. This is a bunch of bollocks. Because if you're going to get fifty dollars of drinks for thirty-five dollars, couldn't you just do that again instead of buying a hundred dollars for seventy-five and then paying five dollars extra? Like, why wouldn't you just get two fifties? You know. So I look. I looked at the the sign here, and I said, "Have I gone mad? Is is this really make any sense?" So I need to speak to someone because I'm going to come down there, and I'm going to get quite sloshed. All right. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to um, I'm going to drink until um, it pretty much feels like the Atlantic Ocean is in my stomach, and um, I I want to make sure that um, I'm getting the proper value. So um, I really. Need- oh, okay. Well, let's. Let's get the bar manager for you yeah, and that, see if they good, can yes. assist you. Yes. One moment. Classic rock and roll genre. Thank you for calling Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. An operator will be with you shortly. It's not an operator. They said they're getting the manager. What does Your it say that? Your call may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance. Ah, bollocks. The Thank monitors. you for calling Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. An operator will be with you shortly. Hey, anybody monitoring this call is a wanker. Is what? If you, if you are monitoring this call, you're a big wanker. Fabrice Lawrence? Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabrice, I'm here. Um, is this the bar manager? Um, I'm one of the beverage shift managers. How can I help you? All right, that's good enough. Um, let me uh, let me tell you what my concern is. Um, I was down at the Rio, and I saw a sign, and tell me if you're familiar with this. It says, you can purchase $50 of drinks for $35, um, 100 for 75 and 200 for 150 Are you familiar with what I'm referring to? No, I'm not. Ah, bollocks! It's a, this is a sign here. Let me let me go to the exact sign. I took a picture of it on my on my iPhone. Here it is. It says you can now purchase beverage credits to use at all Rio-owned bars and lounges. Get fifty dollars worth of cocktails for only thirty-five dollars. Get one hundred dollars worth of cocktails for only seventy-five dollars, and get two hundred worth of cocktails for only one hundred fifty. Now, you do you not know anything about this? No, um, that's not one of the signs that I am familiar with oh, that I bollocks. see when I walk. It's right there forward. by the box office. I, I, I went to do it when you know. I went to go see Penn and Teller. I, I watched the um, the bloke who who speaks all the time and can't shut his mouth, and the other one who seems like a deaf mute. I watched that show, and um, okay. and then I saw the sign there. I didn't, but I didn't purchase anything. I figured at the bar they would be familiar with this. You're telling me that you have no clue that this is this exists. No, it's not something that we are currently running. Maybe with the group, I'm not sure, but what? I can find out for you. Yeah, can you find out? Because I just saw this thing. Um, I saw this a few days ago. A, I mean, I could understand if it expired, but this is something that um, it was just up there a few days ago. And it's if you could find out, please for me or connect. Yeah, just hold on one moment, please. I'll right. put you in a hold. All right. Thank you for calling. I mean, this is an example. They, the person, one of the bar managers, has no clue about the promotion about the bar. If a girl's night I mean, this is Exhibit A about why Caesar's is going bankrupt. How can they not know this? 
Get ready for an entertaining and artful blend of disarming sex appeal and fast-paced disarming choreography. Disarming sex appeal? What the it's hell is that? all-male review that will leave uh, you all-male review, never mind. Show in the Sky in the Masquerade Village continues to be the best By the way, they don't have the show in the sky anymore. It never runs. now better than ever. You go in that Masquerade Village, it's like a ghost town there. Audiences are awestruck by the talented performers. There are no talented performers. There's like nobody. It's like it's like a ghost town. It's like nothing's running. The stages are empty. And I'm not talking about like four in the morning. I mean like any time I walk through there. Day or night. Do, 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 do. Thank you for calling Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. And by the way, the once again, anybody monitoring this call is a wanker. You hear that? You're a wanker. Your job sucks. Don't get another job. Don't listen to my phone calls. You're a big wanker. Below your feet as you dance and mingle in the indoor-outdoor two-story nightclub. Oh. House bands and nightly DJs keep the party going. Keep the party going. Along with player bartenders mixing up their signature concoction, the Witch Doctor. The Witch Doctor? Voodoo Rooftop Nightclub. Thank you for calling Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. An operator will be with you shortly. With a delicious menu and the city's best panoramic views, Voodoo Steak guarantees a memorable meal every time. In this addition is when I wish to we Rio Premium these things, Reserve so just, uh, and Rio Draw edit this part out. enjoy side dishes for sharing, new appetizers oh. and desserts, and fun While we're waiting here, cocktails. I see Bobby Orr talked about in the chat that Vanessa Selps apparently got engaged. In a city I imagine it's that same girl she's been... Hello, sir. Thank you so much for holding. Okay, so I did find out about the sign. It's through the front desk. It's something that's run through the roof. So if you're staying here at the hotel and you do everything on a room charge, then you just have to let them know the package that you want to go with. They'll keep an eye on the tab. So as you, you know, go through all your charges, they'll take it off at the end of your stay. All right. Um, So there's a question I have about this. Um, uh, Maybe, should I just speak to the front desk? Would that be better? Yes, it's their package, yeah. All right. Would you be able to connect me there, or should I just hang up and call back? I'm sorry. I can't transfer from this phone. All right, so uh, sorry about that. All right. I'll, I'll hang up and call back. Uh, Talia, pip, pip, and let's go with the buddy thing. Off you go. All right. So let's uh, let's call back here. So nobody knows about the promotion. Well, I'm starting to understand. It sounds like that maybe you can only buy these things once, which may make a little more uh, sense. All right. would make more sense. Yeah. Thank you for calling the Rio All Suite Hotel and Casino. This call may be monitored and recorded it's for still quality assurance. They, they should never give you a better Please deal. Please hold, and the next less. available agent will be with you momentarily. Thank you for calling the Rio Las Vegas. This is Susan Hamedo to call. Hello, can I know Fabisham here? Um, I'd like to speak to the front desk here. And if, if you could actually connect me to the real front desk and not one of those um, bollocks sort of um, guest services things that pretends to be the front desk but is really somewhere off property. I want to actually speak to the real front desk, the individuals that are sitting right at the desk there that I could see their smiling faces if I were to walk into the room. Okay, sir. I can give you two guest services. That's the one that I, we connect to. Oh, bollocks. Uh, you, they, are you telling me there's no... How do I, I reach the front desk, then? How, how is it possible? Okay. Through guest services, sir. Yeah, but they won't connect I'll me connect there, either. I'll connect you now. I'll connect you now, sir. Uh, all right. This Thank is making you. me very unhappy about this whole... Th- I'm I'll going to find, now, a, I'm gonna find a way to get there. Remaking rock and roll and gonna, social hits to now, the now, crowd now, theater. Now this is becoming... Audiences of- I'm not giving up at this point. I'm going to get to the front desk. Yes, sir. 
Hello, this is Tatiana speaking. Uh, hello, can I Faberge, I'm here. Um, I, I wish to speak to the front desk, and when I say front desk, I actually mean a real desk that's in the front of something, which means it's not a, a call center where people pretend to be the front desk, but the actual people sitting at the front desk, to where if I were to walk through the front doors of the reel right now, I could see a smiling face on the phone. So, so uh, is this the front desk, or is this one of these um, uh, guest services sort of tribes that um, is, is actually um, pretending to be the front desk? <laughs> okay. At, at the 2500-room hotel, front desk does not answer the phone. They simply can't. I am sitting right behind the front desk in the room, and I'm guest services, and I'm answering the calls for front desk. Okay, so but, but, okay but are you actually right? Can you, can you see the front desk? Like, if I, if I were to ask you the, the color of the hair I'm of the person... I'm behind the wall, sir. How can I see the front desk? But, but you're very close to them physically. Like, if you, if you were to shout out, hey, the front desk is a bunch of wankers because they hear you. Hello. Okay. Hello. Now that's better. Yes. How may I help you? Um, all right. So no, no. So 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 are you cl- you're actually close enough to the front desk where they could hear you if you just shout to them? No. Well, so I that- can walk over there if need be. All right. So 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 how 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 many feet away would you say they are to you? Probably twenty feet. All right. That's not too bad. Um, how how many meters? Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll get it. The calculator. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it myself. It's just, okay. I'm just not very good at feet. You know, I, I grew up in England. Uh, anyway. Um, right. I, I grew up in Russia, so yeah. About, oh, right. uh, yeah, right. 20, 25 meters maybe. All right. All right. Do, do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, sisters perhaps that would like to come to the United, United States and marry a nice bloke uh, by any chance? <laughs> I do have a sister. However, she's married. Oh. So anyway, how can I help you? Oh, I always have such, such lousy luck even when I call the Rio. All right. So, um. Um, let me ask you about a uh, situation here. I saw when I was going to um, Penn and Teller, and I, I, I wasn't staying at the hotel. I was just uh, visiting. I was actually mm-hmm. staying down the street, and I came in to see Penn okay. and Teller, and I saw at the um, at the desk of the box office it said, "You can purchase these cocktail packages where you get uh, thirty-five dollars, sorry, fifty dollars worth of cocktails for thirty-five, and one hundred mm-hmm. worth for seventy-five. Now, if you're familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. And actually, you do have to have a room to, in order to have that package because what happens is it's being built to the room. It has to have certain uh, folio created on your reservation. Oh, so you must involved. have a room to take advantage. All right. So, so, so there has to be a folio, first of all. The room, first of all, has to yeah, be there. There has to be a folio. The all reservation. Right. All right. So there has to be a folio. And then so, so this is my question. Um, let's say I would say, you know, I don't want... F- $100 worth of cocktails. I want $50 worth of cocktails twice. Could I do that? Yes, absolutely. All right. So that's so so if I now this is provided I'm staying there, I'm staying at the Rio and I say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get rather sloshed tonight. I'm going to have the Atlantic Ocean in my in my stomach by the the time the night's over. Um, um, <laughs> Naturally. Yes, yes. So um, I wish to pair it as a hundred dollars worth of cocktails. However, I wish to do it in two fifty dollar increments. So so can I? So I could do this. I could actually purchase two fifties. Yes, absolutely. All right, so that brings me to my next question. Um, I don't know the way they do uh, math in the United States, but um, in England we learned that um, two times thirty-five equals seventy, and mm-hmm. um, and that seventy is less than seventy-five. Now I, I learned this, um, I think, when I was in first grade. Um, I, I've applied that knowledge. I, I thought back in first grade none of this was going to end up mattering in my life, but it turned out it does. Um, it says get fifty dollars worth of cocktails for thirty-five dollars, and get one hundred dollars mm-hmm. worth of cocktails for seventy-five dollars. And it made me think: Why would anyone 
why would anyone in their bloody mind purchase a hundred dollars worth of cocktails for seventy five when you could buy fifty twice for seventy? Okay, well, it seems like you're going to be the only smart one that way. Uh, so you're telling me I could actually do this, though, and they just... Um, so you're saying that nobody has ever asked this question before? No. So you, you're, are you the, saying... That, that, dumb Americans, you know? Oh, dumb Americans, yeah. So, so uh, sir, I did answer your question. I do, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I do need to get to other calls and not to diminish... No, no, but, but I do need to know if However... Yes. However, I did answer your question. When you book the room, the only chance you have to purchase those two $50 packages would be at the check-in point. This is what we offer. That's our promotion. Is there any other questions I can answer for you? Um, yes, yes. Um, if, if I were to buy several $50 things, um, um, would, I, would I then be able to uh, sell them to other people for a profit? You know, no. So- no. All right. Uh, now, would I be able to stand by the front desk and warn people not to buy $100 worth or $200 worth uh, to buy multiple 50s? Because this has actually gotten me so frustrated reading this sign. I've actually decided to spend my days by the front desk and warning anyone who checks in not to get 100 or 200 worth, but just to simply get multiples of 50. Uh, w- would it be okay if I stood by the front desk and when warn people of this uh, mathematical mistake? So do you realize that it's a really silly question? No, no, no. It's it's a good question. I, I feel like helping my fellow man and and my fellow you know my fellow boozers, the ones who want to drink all the time like I do, and you know I want okay. to help them save money. And I just it just bothers me that if they want to get a hundred dollars worth of cocktails, it's more than getting fifty dollars twice. It just is something we learned in first grade. You're just not supposed to do. Hello, are you there? <laughs> I guess she, I guess you really hung up this time. <laughs> yeah, she's gone. <laughs> I love how the I love how the explanation of the sign is uh, dumb Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, uh, yeah. I, I like how the Russians hang up on me too. <laughs> so I guess you were right, Todd. Uh, Fifty dollars uh, twice is better than a hundred once. You yeah, can do it multiple times. And, and you know, I was about to. I was about to actually. I was really prepared for her to say, no, you just have to decide the amount you want at the beginning. It's either 50, 100, or 200. And if it's 100, I'm sorry, you just don't get as good a value. I was sure that would be the answer. Instead, no, you can actually get multiple 50s. You just have to, you just have to decide at the beginning that you want multiple 50s. So, uh, I like how like a I, I bet you they have a pretty good rate of just people... Yeah, whatever. I'll take the two hundred, or I'll take the hundred. I think I yeah, rushed me off the phone and like forget the hang up at the end when I got ridiculous. But like she, like before I got ridiculous at the end, like these were all reasonable questions. Like if I if I was going to take advantage of this, I would actually made a similar phone call in my own voice. Uh, so like she was actually rushing me off the phone. Like like do they have some sort of uh, requirement? Is, is it like a fast food place where they have to serve you your food in three minutes, or they get in trouble? Todd, have you ever been told in a legitimate customer service call using your real voice and not recorded for radio that you realize that the question you're asking is a ridiculous question? <laughs> no. <laughs> or how about, I, how feel about like, I feel like it's happened before. Well, how, how about uh, how about being called a dumb American or, or the only one who isn't a dumb American? <laughs> so I, the, the funny thing is it sounded like she was hanging up on me at the beginning. I heard that like, click. And then she kept talking. Like she's like, well, that's better or something. So uh, 
it's just so weird that she that they haven't caught on to this how ridiculous this is yet, and that nobody's asked about it. Right? I guess she wouldn't know for sure because she's the only one person there. But um, yeah, at, at least you need a folio. At least a folio got to be part of this whole call. Yeah, I'm sure that they're aware of the difference. I think it seems more like a an easy five dollar money grab than it does an error. Now, yeah. I think how these Russians come to the U.S., they take our jobs, and uh, and then they get rude and hang up on me. What the hell is that about? Like she should uh, she should be thankful that she's she's not uh, standing in a bread line in Moscow. What the hell here? She's hanging up on me, hanging up on the colonel. Like uh, so so uh, Johnny, I want to ask you about this blowjob again. Someone mentioned it in the chat. Um, is this girl actually physically there with you? She's sleeping right next to me. Oh, actually. she's sleeping. How can she sleep? I know I'm doing more of the talking here, but how can she actually sleep through you just, like, talking right next to her? She was wide awake, and then we started talking about the PTA, and she just fell asleep. <laughs> better than Ambien, I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, I, I should, maybe that should be their new fundraising effort. Like, Rich Muni could uh, just you know, talk about all the different uh, lobbying efforts and put people to sleep who have uh, insomnia problems. But, uh, yeah, no, she's used to it. She hangs out with me when I do my radio show. She's hanging out here, and um, I pass in the blowjob, but after this show is over, I'll, I'll probably give her the old, you know, put a shovel until she's awake, and then be like, hey, are you awake? And see what I can get going really? about yeah, two in the morning. How long have you been with this girl? Uh, about four months. Really? See, I, I, I would think at that point... With most girls, that uh, they don't want to put up with that anymore once they're sleeping. Like they, uh, for the most part, a- after the newness of the relationship wears off, after four months, they they pretty much say, "Once I'm asleep, leave me alone." So she's not like that. Uh, no, I think you know. I think she's she's probably like that, but I think girls at some point decide that it's quicker for them to go ahead and just relent. Uh, than it is for them to put up with the harassment for however long that's going to be simply so they can get back to sleep. Maybe that's the problem. I, I think I give up too easily. It's like like when I, I just get like a negative reaction for, from a girl who's tired. I just go, ah, crap. And I, just, I, just, I just give up. I just no, you gotta give it. You gotta give it like four tries, and then on the fourth try, you're pretty much in. Yeah, I, I just, I just hate the feeling that they're just like doing it, and really, like aren't really into it, and just like don't really want to be there. For feel, that. A little, that, feel a little rapey or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it just bothers me. Like you know, like um, it's like it's like worse than rape because like like rape, like like in like a simulated rape scenario, you could at least like a, the excitement of that whole thing. But like, the, there's no excitement if someone's like, "Oh, I'm so tired. All right, I'll just lay here and you just do it." Like, like that, that just kills it for me. I just got yeah. I mean, what do you like to light candles and fucking uh, all that stuff every no, time? No, but I, I, I want No, but I want a reaction. I want a reaction like they're actually enjoying it. Like they actually want to be there. That's that's just me. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't really care either way. <laughs> okay. I, I guess that explains why you you, may, you managed to make that happen after the four month mark because uh, like like I, I find early on you can you can make this happen very easily like like early on you can wake them at any time and they're and they're happy to do it but uh, then once yeah, they get once the they first, get used to you in the first month it's yeah 
Yeah, once they get used to you, it's like it's like you know when you're number two, you try harder. This is this isn't really being number two, but like when, when the relationship is new, they try harder, and then and after the after they've uh, reeled you in, then they don't have to try anymore. Then they can uh, then they can tell you they're going to sleep. So. Yeah, it's it's probably way different for you too because you know it's it's really tough to. I'm sure that your girlfriend is is really tired. I mean, you have a, a young child. I'm sure she's just exhausted by the end of the day. And you just kind of feel like a horrible person for, for, you know, interrupting her rare sleep time. And uh, I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm just like a sociopath in that way that I, I don't care. You know, uh, I, I I see a, a a comment in the chat room. Druff won't go negative EV at any part of life, including random sex requests. <laughs> you know, it's funny. He doesn't know how right he is. I, um, I actually forget about the random sex requests. I actually didn't even want to be like slightly negative EV in date requests. Like I, I almost never have been rejected by girls I've asked it, I've asked out because the only ones I've asked out are ones I'm very sure, like like a very high percentage chance that they're going to say yes. How do you so? Like if I don't sense like a high not, level of interest, is, I don't do is it. Is it that you're? I mean, I mean, I don't want to. Is it that you're asking out girls that you feel like you're above, or is it that you've established a relationship and no, no, prior I, to asking them out, like how do you know if a girl's going to reject you or not? Well, no, no, I, I've established something, not always necessarily a long thing, but but something where I can clearly see a lot of interest on their part, uh, whether it's getting to know them over a period of time or uh, or just seeing right there that they seem to be into me and flirting really hard. Like, like where I see, think there's a very high chance that they have interest in me, that's when I'll ask them out. If I think it's like kind of an iffy thing, then I don't do it. And in fact, that's actually cost me some chances before. I've actually had girls later on tell me when they like already have a boyfriend and don't want me anymore. Like, oh yeah, you know, a while ago, like I liked you, but if, you know, you didn't make a move, so I just gave up. Like, why did you never ask me out type yeah. of thing? yeah. I had that same thing happen to me about five years ago, maybe a little, maybe about a little bit longer, probably more like seven years ago. Um, this girl who I had a huge uh, crush on in high school, I actually found her on MySpace and uh, had a conversation with her, and she was like, "Hey, why did you never ask me out? I was, you know, so into you, but I was really shy." And I was like, "Fuck me, man! Like, I can't believe I let that opportunity pass." And since then, I've never, if I've ever just felt like doing it, I just do it 100% of the time, and, yeah. and I fail a lot, but I don't care. Yeah, see, I, it's not even like a fear of rejection, it's just, uh, I just feel funny with it. I just feel funny, like, unless there's a high chance, it just, I, it's not so much feeling rejected, I just feel stupid. Like, like, like I, I want to just feel like there's a high chance I'm going to win. Like, I, I guess in everything in life, I want to feel like there's a, a high chance I'm going to win. And, uh... Uh, so that's that's why I've rarely been rejected, and it's not because uh, every girl that I meet would want to date me. It's just that uh, I, I'm good at sniffing out the ones that are. And in fact, uh, with Benjamin's mother, uh, I could have maybe I could have a kid who's much older with the same woman, because uh, I knew her back as far as 1991, and that was actually the situation with her. I did I couldn't tell exactly what she thought about me, and uh, I just didn't pursue it. I wanted to pursue it, but I didn't. And then when I left school, because I graduated before she did because I'm a little bit older, uh, I felt stupid for not pursuing it. I felt like it had potential. And then all these years passed, and then when I encountered her on Facebook, 
over 16 years later, I, I said, well, and we talked, and I, and I found out that uh, she was available. I thought, hey, you know, I can actually uh, get an answer on this all this time later. And and here is a, now here is a uh, two-year-old son I have from someone I knew back in the early 90s. Drop, did you ever do online dating? Well, yes and no. Um, I never liked dating sites. I know you like them. But uh, I've never been into dating sites, and uh, my few attempts to use them have resulted in uh, in failure. Not even failure like the date didn't work. Like, I just didn't even like the girls I encountered there. Uh, I have met a lot of girls online from chat rooms and from computer bulletin boards way back when. In fact, uh, the very first girl I had sex with in 1989 was from a computer bulletin board. So, uh... So I've met a whole lot of girls from online, just never from, like, a dating site. From a computer bulletin board in 1989? Was that, like, a BBS or whatever? Yes. Like, um... I don't remember the names of them, but it was just, like, old school. Fifteen people were using the entire internet, and you and this girl were one of them? Yeah, well, like, these were, uh... These were like kind of locals BBSs. They weren't like giant things that were national. It's not. It's not like today's internet. It was just you know local people would put up these uh, computer bulletin boards, and everybody on there would be within like a fifty mile radius of each other, for the most part. So uh, and so, some boards were like only one line. Those were, you really couldn't meet anyone because you couldn't talk live to them, because there only could be one person on at a time. But uh, there were also multi-line BBSs that could have like up to thirty-two people on. Which at the time was a big deal. Like, oh my God, I'm talking with 31 other people online. Oh my God, like, a, you know, it's hard for people today to picture that 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 was a big deal. But back in the 80s and the early 90s, it was. Even though the internet existed then, it just was nothing like it is today. There was no web then. So, uh, but uh, yeah, someone in the chat just said, where was it? Uh, LOL, Druff Yahoo Chat Pimp. But you know, he, he's not even kidding. I mean, he may think he's kidding, but uh, the truth is Yahoo Chat, which is now gone, was actually a very good place to meet girls. The girls on Yahoo Chat were incredibly easy. The competition was, there was almost none. Like, there were guys there, but the guys in Yahoo Chat were so terrible, it was so easy to beat them out. So, um, like, like, if you had, like, decent game at all online, and, um, and you weren't hideous looking, you could uh, get girls pretty much at will on Yahoo Chat. So uh, it's gone it now. It was all unseen back then, though, right? I well, mean, it, it, it depends when. Change. It depends when. Like, no, no, actually, it was not Yahoo Chat. Like on, on BBSs, it was Yahoo Chat. Was later, like late nineties, early two thousand. So the girl that you lost your virginity to, that was completely sight unseen. Yes, like, it was. Had... Yes, that was completely sight unseen, and she was actually surprisingly attractive. When I met her in person, it surprised me when I met her. I, I expected her to be gross, but she was actually pretty. And what was, uh, I think I actually did myself a favor because I, I stupidly told her that I was a virgin. But uh, that actually helped me, I think, because I think she pictured me worse that way. I think like like when she met the real me, I looked a lot better to her because she's thinking like, what's a virgin going to look like? And it, it just like looked so bad in her head that I looked great by comparison. But uh, um, the funny thing is this girl, many years later, I'm not going to say who she is, not that anyone would know her, but she actually, um, I don't think she won it, but she, she finished high in a tournament in commerce, and she still plays oh, poker to this day. She still plays poker to this day. 
the girl that lost my virginity to. She's not. A, uh, she's just a recreational player, though, yeah, right? Yeah, she's like, not anyone known. But uh, but I always wondered. Like I don't play many tournaments, but I always wondered. Like when I go to commerce or something. Like if I ever ran into her, because I, I haven't seen her in ages, and we didn't really end very well either. So well, how do you know that then, Druff? Are you stalking her out? I, I don't stalk people, but I, I don't know if you've ever done this, and I don't know if. Yeah, I guess you're old enough to have done this at this point. When, when I'm. Uh, Oh, Abe Brown says it sounds like a challenge. If anyone could find her, it would be him. But uh, uh, you know, now that I have girls that I've dated over 20 years ago, because I'm 40, um, I go on Facebook every so often, and I'm just like sitting there Can you bored. How rough they look, and, and like, and that, like I'll type in their name, and I'll say like, what are, you know, what are they up to? What do they look like these days? How do they age? You know, did they ever get married? Do they have a family? Like, I just get curious. I think about, like, a person I was with at some point. Like, what happened to them? And I'm not, like, a stalker, and it's not, like, someone that uh, I want to be with again. But it's just a curiosity thing. But, I like, a lot of people I don't want to contact. I I don't want to let them know that I'm thinking about what they're doing. But it's just, like, a curiosity thing. So so I I, I look, you know, there's various ways to look people up. Even if you can't find them on Facebook, you can find them other places. There's a, I'm sure A. Brown knows all the tricks to do it. But um, I can uh, find... I, I found pretty much all of them. And this particular person, who was actually pretty easy to find, I, I found that she plays poker. I've never sat at the same table as her. But um, And I, I'm sure she wouldn't recognize me at this point unless uh, unless she has followed me in poker, which I guess is possible. But uh, I mean, like, I think that's pretty standard that everybody does that, and I would think, I mean, you you had, I guess in 05, 06, 07, you had a, a recognizable amount of celebrity for somebody involved in the poker community to where if he slept with you, she would kind of know, you know. Well, definitely she heard my name again. Like, if she heard my name in relation to poker or saw me on 60 Minutes or CNBC, uh, she definitely would have recognized it and recognized who I was. But it, on the other hand, if she hadn't and just saw me in the street or saw me in commerce, uh, there's no way she'd recognize me. I just look too different from when I was uh, 17 years old. And uh, and even I, I even looked somewhat different than when I was 35 years old, uh, but uh, but especially from 17. So I, I just wonder, like, if we ever ended up at the same table, would she have any clue who I am? And, and would I ever say anything? Like, it would just be awkward. Like, I, I think I'd be afraid to say anything. But uh, I have people in the chat room actually, like, talking about tracking her down. This is why i got to be careful about what I talk about in this, in this, uh, on this radio show. But, uh, but yeah, the, the girl I lost my virginity to. All tournament results into commerce. Yeah, but she, she, she still plays there. She still plays at commerce. It's, it's crazy. Like, uh, someone said maybe I passed the love of poker through my penis to her. But I didn't even have a love of poker at that point. Maybe it's, like, my future love of poker. I passed in my penis to her when we had sex in uh, in 1989, but uh, anyway, you I, I don't know. her with limit holdem knowledge via semen injection, and now <laughs> she plays the 20-40 daily at the commerce. Yeah, now she's actually a no limit player. So uh, if it was limit, I'd even be more freaked out. I go, damn it, that had to be something I passed. Had to have like a scientific study done on it. But okay, let, let me move on to a different topic here. Um, we have a, a new villain in poker, not not quite as uh, major as someone like Russ Hamilton, but still an interesting story, and it's come out on 2 Plus 2 very recently. 
This is a guy named Cedric Brazeau, also known as Blue Stas, Blue Stays, however you pronounce his name. Uh, last name is spelled B-R-A-Z-E-A-U. It's accused of breaking into Thai players' houses. Let's say Thai players, I mean poker players living in Thailand. Breaking into their houses, putting spyware on their laptops so we can see their whole cards, and when he goes out with them in public, like to party with them or whatever, or to bars, you know, whatever they go do, drugging them, and then stealing from them as they're drugged. Now, these sound like crazy accusations. I mean, this is the type of stuff you see on TV. That's, you know, you want to steal from someone, you drug them, they, they collapse to the floor and you steal their stuff. You, you, you want to see what's on their computer, so you, you, put some kind of, you break in their house with some kind of spyware and watch what they're doing. I mean, this is really stuff out of a fic- fictional plot, not something that happens in real life. But there are a number of people with a long history on 2 plus 2. Not, not any like really well-known 2 plus 2 posters, but people who've been around for five, six years there with over a thousand posts without ever creating trouble in the past or drama in the past that have all pretty much plus one signed their name to agreeing with this post. So a new account was made on 2 plus 2 called Phuket Poker Community. And as we were saying earlier in the show, Phuket is a place in Thailand. It's an island. It's spelled... P-H-U-K-E-T Spelled fuck it P-H-U-K-E-T But it's pronounced Phuket Phuket Poker Community And it made a post On 2 Plus 2 And I guess this is like a shared account of, of a bunch of people who Play poker that live in Phuket Many people are not native Thais But uh, ones who came from other countries To Thailand Because they like the lifestyle there Or Americans who just Uh Move there because they couldn't play from the U.S. This post is a cumulative effort of the entire Phuket poker community. We'll pipe in as individuals to verify it, which they did. We wanted people to know for sure this isn't some vendetta by one individual or anything. Over 25 of us contribute to the accumulation of data and understanding this. Even more are likely affected. Over the past few months, French-Canadian Cedric Brazeau, a.k.a. Blue Stars, has been trying to hack the computers of the poker community in Phuket. His tactics have included burglary and assault. This is not the first time Cedric has been part of shady dealings in the poker community. Researching his history uncovers a very shady past. For example, this soundbite. So we have the $100 level, $250. Wait, wait, no, sorry, wrong soundbite. That combo is still awesome. No, I'm just kidding. I, I did that on purpose. But uh, <laughs> uncovers a very shady past. He has been reported to have been a part of a very similar hacking scheme a few years ago in Bangkok. He was also accused of contacting new 2 plus 2ers in Bangkok and drugging them while he goes out with them and robbing their hotel rooms. The details of this act are shakier as the victims were drugged and these accusations weren't totally made public. I wonder if they're shakier because he also like fucked them up the ass when he did it. Like maybe that's why they didn't want to come forward. Like they they wake up, their money's gone, their ass hurts, and they're like, "Uh, you know what? I think I'm just gonna, for, I'm just gonna forget this happened." Like, what would you do? Like, what if you went out with a poker player? You went out drinking with him, go back to his room. You're just kind of like hanging out, bullshitting, and then everything goes black, and you wake up, your money's gone, and your ass hurts. Like, and you're like, not again. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you actually go forward on two plus two and say, yeah, you know, yeah, such and such player, you fucked me up the ass while I was drunk, or you, you just, like, say nothing? Like, I don't you know. PM Boba Fett with the, inf- the information for, for IP checks. 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. But anyway, a third accusation was made of ripping off his roommates, and uh, that story can be read here, and there's a link to it. So, um, this is now our understanding that he has hired criminals to follow and surveil us, used agents to build a portfolio of information on us. Not a folio, but a portfolio. These cr- criminals then conducted multiple burglaries that we know of, and probably a few of that we don't, planting software on computers to be able to monitor our play. Using multiple accounts, he is working to defraud the people in our community. Our research into Cedric and his agents have led us to believe he has also participated in assault, intimidation, and bribery of innocent locals and later some of our community in order to achieve his ends. We as a community have prided ourselves on being very welcoming and open to other players who wanted to join us, offering assistance, information, and friendship to our fellow 2 plus 2 coming to visit or live here. When Cedric set out to exploit that the best he could. It's a shame, but this will certainly negatively affect the openness which we took such pride in. We feel it's not only our duty to defend our Phuket poker community, but also our Thai neighbors, some of whom are being victimized as well, but now to defend other poker communities as well. Over the years, he's obviously been working his, on his technique. He was still sloppy this time. It's hard to imagine now that he's been exposed in Phuket, that he won't either try us again or move on to another poker community somewhere. So we hope that some... So we hope any of you who are part of any public or semi-public poker communities will do your best to be vigilant in your security efforts in the future, and obviously if Cedric shows up in your area, take the necessary precautions. Now, by the way, I, I contacted some of these people, and none of them wanted to come on the show. They And not because they had anything against me or, or Poker Fraud Alert, but because they say that uh, uh, they don't know what we're going to gain from this. It was a very strange thing. Like You think they want to get the word out about this guy from that post, but uh, they, they seem scared to do it. They said, like, we, we've released what we're going to release. We're, we, we don't want to say any more. Everyone seems very, like, sketchy about it. Not that I don't believe them. It's just uh, you think you'd want to, if you're going to go as far as making this account on 2 plus 2, you'd want to shout it to the mountaintops everywhere. Anyway, maybe we'll have someone on in the future. I just contacted them today. Uh, or yesterday. But um, So I think it's very likely that these allegations are either 100% true or mostly true. And uh, there's a lot of people that then said, I agree with this post. I, I, I agree, meaning from the standpoint that they signed on, that they knew about this post and that uh, this is accurate. And these are people that are pretty respected on 2 plus 2. Not well-known people, but I, it's just too many people, too many long-time users to get together and lie for it to be BS. Uh, the guy seems like a big scumbag to me, and he seems like a criminal. But uh, there, there are also some posts about Cedric in the past, there's one uh, about him scamming people in 2008. There's one about him stealing from his roommates in 2009. I guess he had like a he had this weird kind of like poker house where he in, invited people to come live with him and he he trained them and staked them and then took half their winnings as part of the agreement. But then I guess when when they wanted to end the agreement with him, he got insulted even though it wasn't going against anything they agreed to. And and when they went out, he stole all their stuff and disappeared. That happened in 2009, allegedly. Uh, and then someone had posted in March 2010 in broken English about him hacking people in Thailand you know, in March 2010. So this has been accused before, almost three years ago. And now it's being accused again by multiple parties who are uh, all you know, kind of doing it through that one account, this new account that was created. And, and, and funniest, aside to this whole story, is a Bitcoin aside. Uh, someone found posts that he made in 2011, August 2011, and these are definitely from Cedric, that he wanted to mine Bitcoins. 
So he, he did steal computers from these roommates in 2009. Maybe he wanted to use them to, to mine bitcoins. Uh, here are some things he posted. Um, uh, what is so special you will do to make your bitcoins business so much more lucrative than the other one? And then he posts this big list of, uh, uh, of what his computer specs are. And say, so what about this one? Will it be all right for gaming and for mining? Is it still possible to beat the electricity? So he's referring to, with this computer, can I mine bitcoins at a rate that will be worth it for as far as the uh, electricity cost? And then he says, yes, with the difficulty, the bitcoin is really harder than it looks like. And then said, um, so... Like the title, I say I'm in business with the Internet Cafe, where I'm situated. It's, fair, it's, it's really famous. I have a lot of clients. I want to grow my business and buy 10 new computers. I want these computers to be able to mine when they are vacant. I'm ready to spend 1000 to 1500 to a computer, 2000 max if it's really to, comp- to improve the computer. These computers also need to be able to play the newest games in the world. So I was wondering what hardware I should buy if I want to do this. So basically, he wanted to start some business in Thailand. Uh, he wanted to work with an Internet Cafe to buy some kind of high-end computers, uh, rent them out to people to play games on in this internet cafe, and then when they're down, have them mine bitcoins. And then the last thing he wrote was, Hello, I'm new to this forum, but I'm highly interested in bitcoin. I already take hours to understand how bitcoin work, and now I want to make my own miner business. With more than ten computers, hope it will work. So, uh, the, the, by the way, if you wonder why that one was in broken English and the other ones weren't, I was actually cleaning them up for radio's sake, but I decided that last one I'd read uh, verbatim. So he actually, he was very interested in Bitcoin mining. And uh, I, I don't know if he ended up, ended up doing it, but uh, uh, if you come into contact with, with Cedric Brazeau, watch out. Definitely don't go out with him. And uh, don't ever have a drink with around him. And uh, don't let him know where you live. This is not a joke here. I mean, this guy, this guy sounds like really bad news. And I, I do wonder if there's that many people that he's done this to. Like, why, why doesn't everybody get together and do something about this? Especially in a place like Thailand. Like, it's, it's one thing if one guy rips you off and you're afraid, like, you know, what am I going to do about it? Or, you know, if it's a matter of beating him up, you know, if I try to beat him up, will he, will he be able to beat me up? Is he stronger than me? Is he a better fighter than me? Whatever. Like, there's like 25 people. Couldn't everybody just, like, Gang up on him, and grab him, and beat the crap out of him. I'm sure, if like three hundred, you can get anything possible done in Thailand. Yeah, like, I just don't I'm get. I'm this. sure they, I'm sure they could get this guy roughed up for pretty easy by, you know, one of those kickboxers or whatever. Yeah, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, like, uh, you, you, I'm, I'm glad that they're coming forward and warning people about it. But you just think, especially in Thailand, that they could do something about this rather than just. Uh, post about it, given the number of people that he screwed. I mean, I'd be afraid to, uh, to in Thailand to, to cheat this many people. I'd be really afraid for my life if I were him. But, but I guess... Uh, I would know. be afraid to just live in Thailand. I, you said you went there. I've, I've never been. Um, but I'm assuming most of these kids are either like Americans or Canadians or, or something just based on the pictures that were posted. Like, why would... You, what's the benefit to living in Thailand? Well, um, a lot of people enjoy the lifestyle there. What does that mean, though? Oh, well, uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. First of all, the weather's very nice. It's, it's warm year-round there. Uh, and not warm like Los Angeles warm, where it still has a winter. Uh, it's like summer the whole year in Thailand. 
That's one thing people like. Uh, two, it's uh, a lot of people like the prostitution scene there. The prostitutes are very cheap. Uh, they'll do anything. Um, it, it's a very laid-back environment where pretty much anything goes, is what Thailand's like, and a lot of people enjoy that. I didn't go there, as you might imagine, for that purpose. I went there as a tourist to uh, see the sights there. And I was there once in 88 and once in 93. The reason I was back there five years later is because I was in the area anyway, in, in some other uh, countries in that area, and decided to visit Thailand again. But um, a lot of poker players go there. It just kind of fits in with the degenerate lifestyle. And, and some who feel that they have to leave the U.S. or some other location where they can't play on poker stars anymore. They say, hey, why not Thailand? And I, I can kind of see the appeal, even though I wouldn't do it myself. But I, I can kind of see the appeal of why certain people would like it. Uh, by the way, he, here is something that uh, you should listen to. This, these are questions you should ask yourself if uh, Cedric ever meets you and invites you out on the town. This is uh, Someone put this together, knowing we would do this segment. And they felt it was important for the community to hear this. So if Cedric ever meets you and wants you to go out on the town with him, these are, these are things you should ask to yourself. Hmm. Why didn't this work? Here we go. Well, should I get into this? Uh, is it a scam? Can I do this? So those are the things you should ask uh, before you go out with Cedric. Anyway. Jeez, man. One of my whole bits for Thursday night is getting used right now. Oh, <laughs> on the show. I, have a, I have a 96 clip soundboard ready to go. Well, I've only played two, <laughs> so if you've still got 94, you can play. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, I, I didn't know you were. I knew you were going to do some uh, some jokes about this, but I didn't know that uh, you'd be playing. No, it's all right. I'm, I'm just joking. Do whatever you got to do, Todd. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway. Um, oh, I, I do have a funny story from Thailand, though. Uh, I had a shortwave, a little shortwave radio there, uh, mostly because uh, this is back in in the '80s and, and early '90s, and uh, you know, you there was no web back then, so I wanted to stay in touch with uh, with the U.S. kind of just listen to U.S. news, and and the best way to do it was was with a uh, a shortwave radio. So I had a little portable short shortwave radio, and and one of the times I turned it on. I happened to run into a show that I really enjoyed. It was called Communications World, and it was a, a show about uh, telecommunications and uh, uh, that, that whole industry and, and different advancements in that and different uh, scandals that occurred with it. It was, it was very interesting to me. So I've always been like into phones and telecommunications and all that type of stuff. So I really enjoyed that show, Communications World, which was only available on shortwave radio. So I actually found out what the schedule was for that, and I would listen to it while I was in Thailand. Well... One of the places I stayed, the hotel, uh, I guess, had a lot of metal or whatever. The shortwave signal could not come through to the hotel room. So I had to go outside to the street to listen to Communications Worlds, which I did. So I'm, like, standing outside on the street listening to this shortwave radio. And here I am. I'm, like, 21 years old, a white guy. And everyone's sure the reason I'm standing on the street is because I'm looking to get a prostitute. So I, I keep having cab after cab pull up to me. You want girl? I said, no, no, I'm sorry, not interested. I, $20, I bring you a girl. I go, no, I, I don't want I don't want to. I take you that, $20. I go, no, I, I, I'm really not interested. He says, okay, okay, I do $10. I go, no, I don't I don't want, I, I just don't want it. That's not why I'm out here. So, okay, 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 I bring you that free. 
you I bring it up for you, you you get girl you, you for free. So these guys get a commission for whatever you know whatever hookers I buy. At first he tries to you know hustle me into paying twenty dollars, then when he thinks I'm wise to it, offers to do it for free, knowing he'll still get a commission on whatever girls I order, and he just would not believe that I was not interested in this. I, I must have been the first white guy standing on the street that told him no. So, uh, and, and I just kept having like one after another come up to me, and I finally I decided to stand somewhere else listening to the show because I realized being out there I was going to be bombarded with cab drivers that were sure that a, a white guy wants to go, go see prostitutes. So, uh, anyway. It, it was an interesting place. I haven't been there now in, uh, in 20 years almost. And uh, I, I would go back just as a tourist to see it. it there, there's some interesting sites there uh, that are you know not related to prostitution or anything like that. But um, there's some places that I went back then that I wouldn't go today. Like I went to Malaysia, and now I would not go to Malaysia because there's a lot of uh, anti-American sentiment over there and, and a lot of uh, Muslims there. And I'd be afraid of uh, being the next person on the news as a kidnapping victim. But... Uh, Anyway, speaking yeah, of... I actually, actually have a, uh, a huge fear of Asian countries, and I don't know why. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it, it just feels so... Almost like it's, it's alien to me, so I'm scared to go there. Like, I'd love to go to Japan, but I just feel like uh, something horrible is going to happen while I'm really? there, and I'm going to wind up like wrongly in prison. And No, you know, uh, Japan is fine. Japan is not a third-world country at all, so that place is... Uh, that's, that's safer than the U.S., so I, I wouldn't worry about Japan at all. Uh, you know, places like Thailand, yeah, there's some shady stuff going on there. But if you know, really for the most part, it's pretty safe for foreigners, especially if you stay out of the shady stuff. Uh, there aren't like there aren't many like random attacks on foreigners in, in places like Thailand. That's not really the type of crime that occurs very much there. I mean, like I, I wouldn't want to walk around the slums there flashing money. But uh, on the other hand, it's it's, it's not like going to a lousy area of the U.S. and walking around at night. So it's a different experience. There's a different... They, they really don't have that much of that type of crime there, especially against foreigners. So uh, it, it's pretty safe in that respect. So I wouldn't be afraid to go there. I, I just wouldn't want to go to the countries that have any kind of uh, anti-American sentiment or anti-American groups there that that would recognize me as an American kidnapping and then and behead me or whatever on TV. like That, that type of shit I wouldn't do. And then those type of countries I would never go to again unless the political landscape uh, changes greatly. But uh, anyway, let's uh, get to this uh, this other topic here. Um, Chad Ellie, speaking of a place you don't want to go, he's going to prison. And, yeah, but not really. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. He, he's fortunate in that he was first sentenced, and this is Chad Ellie, the poker payment processor, who was uh, busted on Black Friday in 2011 and pled guilty. He was sentenced originally to a maximum security prison, which is crazy because this is a guy with no violent history. The crime itself was not violent at all. It was processing poker payments. This guy is not a danger to society in any way. Uh, So assigning him to a maximum security prison is just absolutely crazy. And uh, he appealed this assignment and a judge named Lewis Kaplan decided to change it, and to change it very much. He was originally sentenced to five months in Brooklyn's Metropolitan Detention Center, which is a maximum security place. He would have been with uh, hardened criminals there, and uh, he would have had to 
he would have had to have been very careful not to drop the soap in the shower. But now he will serve his punishment in the much less intimidating surroundings of the Taft Correctional Institution, which is a minimum security facility. And um, he is... Uh, He's going to be able to see his family, including his wife, who's a former Playboy model. And um, he will begin his uh, time, I think, at the end of the month. I think he got delayed. He was supposed to be at the beginning of the month. But I think at the end of January, he's going to serve there. But it's had some pretty famous people serve time there in recent years, including Victor Conte, who was involved in the Balco steroid scandal, Barry Bonds and others. Uh, He served time there. And Tommy Chong also served time there. And uh, Victor Conte recently appeared on Joe Rogan's show and talked all about his time in this Taft facility. I'm going to play this about five minutes. Very interesting. And you'll get to hear what Chad Ellie has to look forward to. He's going to have a five-month sentence. So what is it going to be like for Chad Ellie? in the Taft Correctional Facility. I pled to probably many consider the smallest money laundering case in the history of the United States in an amount of $100. This is Victor Conte speaking. And how long did they put you in jail for that? Uh, I spent four months in a a minimum security prison camp uh, where they... um, we're smoking weed and, oh, no. and uh, no. you know, oh yeah, the, the, this uh, talk about uh, uh, maybe you experience. Shouldn't, you shouldn't rat on them because then they'll they'll tighten down on the people that are in there right now. Well, I told you earlier before you started that uh, one of your friends that you had on your show, Tommy Chong, he's already ratted on him. In fact, he ratted on him on the Dave Letterman show when I was in. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Damn, man. You got to keep that quiet if it's an easy jail. Yeah, bro. You know, you don't want to fuck it up for people. There's a lot of angry Republicans out there. They're like, what are these fucking people doing? They're supposed to be in jail. They're supposed to be getting punished. That's how we keep our kids safe. It, it was a sports complex. Was it really? Yeah. So you just worked out and hung out and stuff? Well, you know, to make a long story short, the first morning when I woke up, and I, it was kind of a university campus-like setting, <clears throat> and I walked out, and, and in the middle of the courtyard was a huge sign, and it said, Sports Complex. Uh, basketball, football, baseball, soccer, bocce ball, volleyball, handball. Wow. And I looked... Uh, you know, around, and I, there was about 500 guys there, and they all had all sorts of equipment. You know, somewhere there was a soccer game and a and a baseball game, and right. all going on. And then uh, I looked over and, and I saw the uh, the rec center, and I walked over to that and walked in, and there were six pool tables and six foosball tables and six <laughs> ping pong tables, and then I went through this door, and it was this huge music department. Three different musical groups were, were practicing, and, and I said, well, do they have concerts here? Oh, yeah, we have a routine. On Friday nights, we have the bands play, and we have concerts outside. Uh, that's and brilliant. Then, and then... Uh, Sounds awesome. This is my first, you know, 10 minutes out on the, uh, on the compound. I started walking around with some guys around the, uh, the walking track, and I went, I said, are they smoking weed here? I said, yeah, you want some weed? Get the fuck out of here! I, I said, "Listen, I don't want anything to do with this kind of stuff. I, I don't want to, you know, get in any any more trouble than I'm already in." Did they? Did they? So this is crazy here. He's he's talking about how it's like a big sports complex. Everybody's playing like every type of sport you could think of. They've they've got equipment to play the sports with. There's smoking pot. Uh, there's people who with like uh, fully outfitted bands there. They get to play a concert every Friday night. I mean, this sounds like summer camp. 
It doesn't yeah, sound like I mean, prison to me. I guess that's the kind of jail I want mine. Had several really, you know, nice looking female correction officers there, you know, with hair done up and, you know, big chest. And uh, it was kind of stunning to me. And the guy said, listen, you want some action? You know, wait a minute. That's awesome. I'm wait telling minute, you the straight wait, scoop. Wait, wait, wait. The female corrections officers were also hookers. My understanding is, on average, they you know were making about dudes? thirty thousand a month. I'm, I'm going to jail. You know how many dudes are trying to go to jail right now? <laughs> dudes, dudes with fat bank accounts that hate their wives. <laughs> it's like get me near a pool table, and it's like, I can play basketball with the boys. Let's all get arrested together. Please arrest me. I, I swear to God. Holy shit! I swear to God. The guy in the they have cubes. It's a twelve by twelve concrete block that are six feet high, not cells. They just have an open door, and this young kid came in that same first day that I was there, and my uh, QB was a guy named Evil, was his name, and he said, Evil, I'm going to have to do something bad because I'm scheduled to go home tomorrow. And I said, well, you're scheduled to go home and you you want to stay here? He said, yeah, if I go home, i got to start paying rent. Oh, wow. Well, that really does happen to people, right? They become really institutionalized. So, so then they go into this discussion about people like you know enjoying prison, but I can see in this prison... I could actually enjoy it if it's got uh, organized sports and organized uh, music and, and 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 female correctional officers that are attractive that will have sex with you for money. Uh, I, I can see why a I'm lot of people sure, want to I'm stay sure there. I'm sure that guy was uh, embellishing a bit simply because he needed something to talk about on the radio show. But even if it's fifty percent of what he described, I mean, yeah, and, and I do believe what he said about the out of bounds sign that uh, they don't even have fences; that it just says uh, out of bounds. You you can't walk past the sign. And then apparently, from what he said, some people did anyway, and provided they came back before anyone noticed that uh, it was all right. So that, that's where Chad Ellie is going to spend his time. And uh, you know, if you got to be in prison, you know, it's, it's never good. Even in a place like that, it's never good to be in prison because your your freedom is limited. Even if you like the place itself, and even if nobody messes with you, uh, you know, your freedom is limited. You can't just go where you want. You can't do what you want. You can't make phone calls when you want. You know, uh, you can't get on the internet when you want. You can't uh, see who you want. There's, there's a lot of different restrictions on your life, even if the prison itself is, is a fun place. But uh, uh, and, and what he described there, even if it is totally accurate, while that might be fun for a day or two, after five months that would get very old. But uh, but still, I mean, that that's a hell of a lot better than any prison situation that I've ever heard of, even if he is exaggerating. So that's that's where Chad Ellie's going to be for five months. And we'll ask him. We're going to have him back on this show after he does his time. And he said he would come back on. And we'll ask him if it was like that. We'll ask him if uh, Victor Conte was exaggerating. And, and I guess it's possible that if Tommy Chong really came on David Letterman and uh, uh, talked about this, that it may have uh, caused them to change the way they do things there. People were outraged upon hearing that. I don't know if that happened or not, but... Uh, We'll hear from Chad Ellie if it was really like this and how tough the time was. I have a, a theory. I, I wouldn't say it's something I necessarily believe to be true, but uh, something I think is possible regarding Chad Ellie. Tell me what you think about this. Um, okay. Let's say that you were an online poker payment processor. And even though Chad Ellie insisted that, that he got legal opinions, that what he was doing was fine, he would never get busted, and he was absolutely shocked when he got busted... Uh, I, I didn't completely believe that from him. And if I were processing online poker payments, I would have the whole time been shitting bricks every day that one day they were going to get me. So let's say I was doing it. One thing I would have done is I would have hidden money. 
I would have known that probably one day the hammer is going to come down on me and that they're going to want to take all the profits I made from processing online poker payments. That basically the fine that the Department of Justice levies upon you is whatever you can pay that's equivalent to what you made from the whole thing. So if you're broke, then the fine is much less or doesn't exist. Uh, if you're super rich from the whole thing, they, they take all your money, like they did to the net teller guys, for example. And, and like they did, to some degree, to uh, Eastside Scheinberg. So, um, so your wonder, theory is, did a millionaire hide money? Yeah, the question is, Chad Ellie came on this show and insisted that he's pretty much cash broke. That he, you know, he has his house, he has his car, but he doesn't have any more cash. He's cash broke, and, and that even the stuff he has isn't worth very much. So the question is, is this guy secretly a multimillionaire and hid it somewhere and has to say on my show and every other show that he's really broke, but in reality hid a lot of the money he made and just blamed it on people that are easy to blame for stealing it? Because what he claimed is that most of his money was stolen by uh, by the people he worked with, like uh, Daniel Shvetkov and others, that they, they ripped him off. Jeremy Johnson ripped him off. And um, when it was all said and done, he, he was really left with very little. So well, I, I'm really wondering... have that life because of his stellar conversational skills. Drum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah, he has the, the hot-looking wife, too, that, uh, as you said, because he's such a good conversationalist. So the question is, does he really have a lot of money hidden somewhere? And he just obviously can't admit this on the radio shows and on the other interviews he does. And when this is all done, is he actually going to feel like this was all worth it? If he just if he has to spend five months in a place like this and has profited many millions of dollars that while he can't show to the government he has, if you have that much cash, there's still a lot you can do with it, even if you can't own a lot of things because it'll prove to the government you own it, that you have the money. But still, having like unlimited cash for just whatever you want to do that, aside from owning major things, is pretty sweet also. So does, I wonder if he really stashed away a lot of money and just uh, isn't telling anyone and is hiding this from the government. Because I, I'm thinking like if, if you can go back in time, let, let's say you could think, let's say you could go back to 2005, 2006, whatever, and start processing poker payments. And I can tell you two things. One, you're going to get caught in 2011. Two, you're going to go to federal prison for five months. It'll be a, a minimum security place, but you'll go to federal prison for five months. Uh, would you do it if, three, you were going to make millions and millions of dollars that the government would confiscate if they were able to find it? Would you still go back and do it and then hide the money? I mean, assuming I knew the prison and everything that we just discussed, I probably would. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too. And I was thinking if it was enough money, I probably would. Like, like you said, I would not want to be in a maximum security or dangerous prison no, no, for, for, for any sort of money. Prison. Like the, That I just couldn't bring myself to do. But but for, uh, for a minimum security prison, five months there... I would do it if, if I if I came away with, with millions of dollars, even if I couldn't show the government I had the money, even if I couldn't like buy a, a multi-million dollar house with it and I had to hide the money and just spend it on, on miscellaneous things that they couldn't prove I'm spending it on. Uh, I, I would do it. And, and you said you would too. And I, I'm wondering if Chad Ellie, if his real story was that he knew there was some risk to this, 
but he knew there was some chance that he would get off with a you know a minimal sentence or a, a moderate sentence. Of course, you know he didn't know this. He could have gotten twenty years in in a bad prison. But if maybe he calculated the risk and say either I don't get busted or I get busted and I I get uh, a, a light sentence, and provided I hide my money from the government, I'll be cool. That'll be okay. That's a, that's a a worthy exchange. So. I, I'm wondering if that's uh, that's what really happened with him, and obviously that's a question I can't ask him because he can't answer it honestly, even if it is true. So his answer will always be yes, whether the truth is yes. But uh, that was just a thought I had actually kind of recently. That um, and I don't know why I didn't think of it before, but that I think like I'm asking him on the show, "What are you going to do next?" And he says he's going to be a professional poker player, and uh, it, it just kind of sounded like he didn't have that much of a plan for what he's going to do next. And maybe he doesn't need one. And if he did, you know, good for him for hiding the money. It's you know, it's uh, he processed the payments. He took the risk. He's he's doing the time. So if he if he can keep some money out of it, great. I, I don't hold it against him. But uh, I really wonder if that's the case, and he just can't admit it. And and you know, he has perfect scapegoats as far as who he can claim stole the money from him. Because Daniel Svetkov, I mean, he did steal money. He stole a hundred million from the poker site. So that's an easy guy to blame that he stole from him. Or maybe he really did steal from him and he just is exaggerating what Daniel stole. Maybe he's exaggerating what Jeremy Johnson stole. So, we'll never know. But uh, I, I know that if I was in his spot, that's exactly what I would do. I would have hidden the money. I mean, once once he got busted, he couldn't really hide the money. But uh, uh, along the way, maybe he hid a lot of money. And then when he had to come up with the excuse of why none of it is left, he thinks, well, I was uh, involved with two criminals. One a... Uh, a big-time telemarketing scammer and one of them a, a big-time thief. I'll just claim they took my money. So, yeah, and I mean the guy just based on his background is probably pretty money savvy, you know. Yeah, I'm sure he knows how to bury his money pretty well. Yeah, I, I think there's a good chance of it, and I think it's a good chance why, like you know, if if you're some hot Playboy model. And you marry a dude like, and she married him the day after he got busted. And he said that wasn't uh, that wasn't on purpose, but, uh, um, you know, like, or, or, wait, did he say it was on purpose? And I don't remember anymore. I asked him the question. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> I don't know why I don't remember. It. That's right. I, th- I think she said. I think it was on purpose after after they uh, he got busted. Like a that's kind of like a, her way of showing that she's still committed to him. But. Um, yeah, would she really stay with him at that point if she thinks he's going to be broke and can't make money in the future other than trying to become a professional poker player? I, I just don't see it. I'm not saying she married him for money, but you know, you've got to know if you're a hot playboy model that you can have any guy you want. And at that point, if the situation has become that shitty with the guy you're with, I mean, there, there has to be some money. There has to be a lot of money hidden somewhere. Can't say for sure, but uh, just... Seems like it to me, but uh, yeah, definitely. We'll 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 have him back on the show. I'm not going to ask him this, but uh, we'll ask him about his time in the slammer, in the minimum security slammer. See if it's anything like uh, Victor Conte described. Um, almost uh, almost done here, but uh, I do want to talk about a, a little bit about uh, Blair Rodman, a BFA, 
Poker Frawler. That fucking backfired, huh? Yeah, but yeah, we we get some interesting people showing up in the scam scandals and shadiness for me. Before I talk about it, I have a call that keeps coming in here. Let's, let's take it. Call, you're on the air. Yo, it's Wolf. Raw Wolf, hello. What, what would you like to talk about? Man, got a couple quick issues. Uh, number one, man, when the show was going on, I was uh, kind of fucking around on the computer, and I went to Boris Poker for, like, the first time in a year and a half, and I think it broke my computer, whatever virus I picked up over there, within, like, ten seconds of being on the site. Really? I've never. Yeah, I, I swear. So uh, I don't know what to say. Now I'm almost afraid to open it. Now, I've, I, unless they got hacked, I, I don't think they'd knowingly put a virus over there. But it, it is a pretty dead site at this point. Uh, everybody pretty much abandoned it. Yeah, I mean, just, I just want everybody to know. I mean, I swear it's like it's pretty serious. My, my Norton security can't uh, fix it, and so I'm probably just have to throw the computer away. Wow. All right. Um, anyway, uh, second of all, man, I just I didn't want to get into the issue at all. Um, like as far as what all happened, uh, but I did want to comment that, you know, Drexel keeps bringing up uh, the shit that went down between he and I um, on air on his shows, and, you know, the last time he and I talked, he specifically said a hundred times on air that he had put it to bed and would never speak of it again. And so not to bring any of it up, I'd just like to prove that he's a blatant liar because he has personally brought up the situation over and over. This is a bad show to call in about that, but he's not even here tonight, so. Uh, I mean, there, no, I, no, I'm not. It, it's not about the situation. You can just listen to any of the prior episodes for like five or six times. He's brought it up, and if you go back a couple more times than that, me and him have a thirty or forty-five minute discussion, putting it to bed where well, he says specifically over and over that he'll I, never I would bring suggest, it up again. I would suggest so. you contact him directly. Just you know, send him a message on. Uh, on, on Poker Fraud Alert or on, on, on uh, Vegas Poker Radio. Yeah, and the and the, the last thing, man, I had three things. Uh, the last one is the shows have been really solid, but, man, uh, Drexel's breathing has been terrible. I mean, it really is noticeable. Uh, so maybe y'all could, you know, pull something off there. Well, I'll, I'll see if I can uh, talk to him about not breathing during the show. I'll see if he can hold his well, breath. Well, no, I mean, I, I know you uh, can pick up on it and hear it, but it, it definitely didn't used to be that way. Well, so. you know, it's, uh, people people get older; they have different effects. Uh, you know, some people some people grow hair in their nose and their ears. Uh, some people that uh, they go bald. Some people get fatter. Some people. Uh, yeah, I've some, done, I've done it all. And some people end up. Some people end up as mouth thing. breathers, you know. It's uh, or nose breathers. Sorry, he's not a mouth breather. He's a nose breather. I shouldn't. I should not accuse him of mouth breathing. So, you know, that, that's what happens. And uh, I, I think I, I'll have Brandon work on this. What I'll tell him to do in between now and next week's show is uh, I'll tell him to put a clothespin on his nose and learn to breathe through his mouth, and then. Uh, and that would work. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. In fact, maybe that's what I'll have him do for the next show is actually wear a clothespin on his nose. And uh, it may hurt a little bit, but he has to make that sacrifice for the show. I agree. Okay, anything oh, else? Yeah, I knew you'd know. Any other All subjects? All right, well, I appreciate it. That's it. Okay, well, thank you, Raul, for the call. Peace. So um, you, you get people complaining about everything, including uh, breathing. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I wish Brandon was here to defend the breathing. But uh, I, I, I will I will try to make sure he does not breathe. You know, that's something that's uh, not everybody has to do. It's a bad habit he's developed, his breathing. So, uh, uh, anyway, talking about... Uh, did, you know that, did you know that Brandon was in... Uh, did you know about his trip? I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what he knows. But, no, do you know about? Did you know about it? Because I found out about it yesterday. Well, um, it, since you brought it up, uh, the answer is actually no. Uh, I, I'm not even. I wasn't even sure if Brandon's trip was actually real. I didn't want to. Since you brought it, I wasn't going to bring it up. But I, he he said he went, he made a last minute trip to Italy. Is, is he really there? I don't know. Uh, you don't know either, so maybe. maybe it, I, well, see, I mean, I've known I've, I've known Brandon for a while, and I have no reason to not think that he's there. But it was just very funny that I wrote our show for this week around him being there, and I just found out yesterday that he's not around. Oh, so so he's not going to be uh, on your show? I th- I thought he was going to be on your show and not mine. No, no, he's not going to be on my show. This oh, he's not going to be on your show either. Okay, I feel better now. No, I um. Um, I'll tell you what happened here. I, I, I wasn't in all that frequent contact with Brandon uh, uh, last week or two because uh, I was very busy with, with some of my own things. And, uh, you know, we missed the last week of Poker Fraud Alert Radio because of me, not him, in that uh, I spent New Year's with my family, not just the New Year's Eve night, but uh, a number of days with my family in, uh, in Caesar's Palace, of all places. In Las Vegas, and I'll talk about that before the show ends. But um, you know, throughout all that, uh, I, I saw on Brandon's Twitter that he took a last-minute trip to Italy, and I thought that's kind of a weird place to take a last-minute trip, and it's got to be expensive to buy a last-minute uh, plane ticket there. So I, I didn't know if this was a joke, and I still don't know if it's a joke. And um, I, I guess we'll find out when he gets back. And then I saw that you had him listed as uh, you know, a part of various segments you had for your show on Thursday. And I thought, okay, well, I guess he'll be back by then, but he's not going to be back today. Because so I asked him, are you going to make my show, or not or my show, are you going to make our show on, on uh, Tuesday? And he said, no, you'll need to find a replacement host. So I said, okay. So I, uh, I put out the message for replacement hosts, and you answered the call, which I appreciate. But I, I thought that he'd probably be back from Italy or wherever he is by Thursday, but I, I guess apparently not. And the only other clue I have to go on here about Brandon at the moment is that uh, he has some sort he did some sort of like Skype show or something with a porn star. Did you see about that? Yeah, on his Twitter, he did some Skyping with some girl. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't understand it either. I'm that guy. I wouldn't. And keep in mind, everybody, I would not be discussing Brandon's private business on this show if he didn't want us to. But I'm talking about things that are public on his Twitter here at twitter.com/slash Brandon Gerson. So that that's what we're talking about here. But um, it says uh, this is from his own Twitter. January 1st, spur-of-the-moment trip to Italy to start off the new year. Anyone needs to get a hold of me next two weeks, DM me. That's the you know, direct message. Happy New Year. And then he sent, uh, he tweeted a picture of a very nice-looking breakfast. It says, amazing way to start off the day on January 3rd. And then he tweeted... It looked kind of, it looked kind of Italy-like breakfast, It did right? look European, I agree. And then he, then he tweeted, can't wait to meet the gorgeous and very sweet at Katie Summers XXX when she comes to Vegas in a few weeks. And then he retweeted something Katie Summers XXX had tweeted. This is the weirdest thing. This is her tweet, not his. Best Skype show ever. Thank you, Brandon Gerson, for the fun time. You are awesome. So he wasn't saying that her Skype show was the best ever. She was saying that her Skype show with him was the best ever. So what the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. 
Brandon's got some questions to answer upon his return. Yeah, like I, I don't get this. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, like is he in Italy now, skyping with porn stars? It, it, the whole thing's so strange, and I, I haven't. Uh, I'll be honest. Usually, I'm in a lot of contact with Brandon, and in the last two weeks, I've been in very little contact, and really, the the only information I've gotten about him has been from Twitter. And uh, so he did tell me uh, yesterday that that he won't make the show today. And that's fine. You know, I'm not. I'm not criticizing that. I asked him. Uh, I asked him, "Are you going to be able to make the show?" He said, "No." And sorry for not telling you earlier. So fine. You know, th- this has happened. I- I've given a shorter notice than that before of not being able to make it. So I'm not. I'm not blaming him for that. But it, it is just kind of strange. I'm just curious. Like, did he really go to Italy on the spur of the moment? Just buy a ticket, a full price ticket out of nowhere, and fly there? Uh, who is he with? Why is he skyping with porn stars? It's. Uh, it's very strange. So uh, we will find out. I'm sure he'll tell us everything when he gets back. I thought we'd be hearing about it on Thursday. Apparently not. Yeah, no, it's a mystery. I actually, and the funny thing is, I Thursday is our season five premiere, so usually I like to do extra stuff for that. So I actually went out and, and put together a small audio thing uh Kind of with Brandon in mind, I actually just sent it to you on Skype, but the Skype file transfers take forever. Um, so what, what did you send me? I sent you a, an audio clip that I had made for the show this Thursday for Brandon specifically. I thought it was funny. Um, oh, do you want? To, I can play it here if you want. Or do you want to? Yeah, you can play it if you like. Uh, if it has it come, did it come through? On yeah, your something came through. Let me let me let me get to. Uh... This new Skype is a failure. Yeah, here we are. Okay. Oh, I, I got to save it first. Okay. It says, files can contain viruses. Now, I'm glad I'm not getting this from Boris. Otherwise, I, w- I wouldn't be very, uh, wouldn't feel very good about this. But I'll trust you. Yes. It's, uh, it, was, it was our original intro for the show this week. Okay, let's listen to this. Let's listen to this here. Hello, this is President Barack Obama. Welcome to the fifth season of Filthy Limper Radio. That's pretty good. Right here on VegasPokerRadio.com. Brandon, Johnny, and Kevin killed it last season. And I hope that this season is more of the same. Please, guys, if it's possible to talk even less about poker and more about titties and dick scars and then I encourage you to take the necessary steps to do so. Uh, Brandon, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I need a room at Caesars and an iPad, too. Enjoy the show, and uh, uh, God bless America. <laughs> so that was, I actually did not know Brandon wasn't going to be there when I arranged to have that made, and now I'm just kind of disappointed that it's <laughs> going to... Sit in my in my folder forever, so I figured it might as well get played somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, huh? I, I I don't know what to say about this whole thing. Someone someone posted in the chat room a picture of Katie Summers XXX breasts, and it, I looked and uh, yeah, they they look like uh, standard what you'd expect of a porn star's breasts. I don't know what else to say. But yeah, Brandon uh, is a mystery here. It's a New Year's mystery, and. Um, the funny thing is, Brandon was actually going to meet my girlfriend and Benjamin for the first time 
and then abruptly had to cancel and said he couldn't make it. So I, I guess that's related to the Italy trip. So, uh, because that, you know, uh, they are not in Vegas all that often, Benjamin or uh, or my girlfriend, but they were there. But anyway, let me get, let me get back to what I was talking about uh, with uh, Blair Rodman, who was a, a longtime friend of Russ Hamilton's and showed up on this site to defend himself in a thread entitled Blair Rodman, Chris Levick, Kathy Liebert, and Bruce Buffer apparently involved in a scam training site. Well, he showed up initially to deny that uh, he was scamming anyone through the site and that he was just someone who was hired to promote it. But that, the focus kind of changed where people were not as interested in Blair Rodman's connection to this Poker Players Academy but more to his connection to Russ Hamilton, because there's actually a picture of him at a Russ Hamilton roast from a long time ago, where it looked like he, he and Russ were very close friends. So uh, Blair Rodman said, I've gone to golf events for the past 20 years with the same large group of guys. Russ Hamilton occasionally shows up. That's the extent of our relationship. That was him in response to people saying that he has a relationship with Russ Hamilton and that he has to understand the hate he gets. So he was saying, we don't have a relationship. We, he just shows up sometimes when I go to play golf with some other guys. So then Haley Hintz, who has a, a great uh, blog, you can look her up on Google, Haley, H-A-L-E-Y, Hintz, H-I-N-T-Z-E. Look her up. She writes a lot of good stuff, especially about uh, UB and AP. She wrote, we've never met Blair, but that's crap. You've been the indirect beneficiary of Russ's largesse for a couple decades, and I'll add to that. You were very likely Ultimate Bet's first massive multi-accounter. You were in control of ten or so of the first several thousand or so accounts at, use, at UB, and I can prove it. Only one other person came close to that, and that was a number, another member of Russ's golf-slash-poker-slash-bookmaking inner circle. Actual account numbers started at 10,000, stuff lower than that was for testing only, while other records have been deleted from this early file, which is not, not part of the publicly leaked UB files from last year, I think some of the email addresses are still active. And then, so she posted a list of about 10 screen names that were all registered to Blair Rodman. The names Mongo, Hackney, Rosie, Blair, Boo Boo, not Honey Boo Boo, which is Boo Boo, Hack, Fine Wine, Big Bird, I think Mitt Rodney would like that name, Yosemite Sam, and Broad, B-R-O-D, for Blair Rodman. These were nine accounts, and they were created in 2000 and 2001, and uh, most of them had accounts uh, in the in the 10,000 range, 10,019, 10,663. So uh, this is not necessarily accounts used to cheat, but he was multi-accounting to where uh, he could play on any of these accounts if you, if you got used to his play style. So if you got used to the way Blair plays, he could switch to Yosemite Sam or Big Bird or one of the others. Uh, not surprisingly... Blair did not show back up to defend the multi-accounting accusation or the claim by Haley that uh, he's been friends with Russ for decades. And as I said, the chance of Blair showing back up on the site to continue this debate, I would say, is... Zero point zero. So, uh... Yeah, he she... completely shut down. Like he was all ready to state his case here, and was 
bashing you for the content that you allow to come out on the internet. And Haley just shut him down about as quick as anybody's ever been shut down. Yeah, he internet. was. He was afraid to come back after that. And uh, also, Crow Diddley, uh, he found this from Blair Rodman in 2004 from 2 Plus 2. Blair Rodman said, My appetite for blackjack tournaments was whetted again, and I wanted more. 1994 World Series of Poker champion Russ Hamilton, with whom I've been friends with since we met playing blackjack tournaments in the 80s, had the answer, the ultimate blackjack tour. So this is someone he says he's been friends with since the 80s. In 2004, and now he's claiming that uh, his only relationship with Russ was just Russ showing up when, when a bunch yeah, of guys get together. Yeah, there's a golf outing every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, and then here, there's a soundbite of uh, that, that I haven't played before of Blair Rodman saying that uh, the the only times that uh, he's actually even been in uh, Russ's presence. I have no recollection. I remember one time at a party. That's the only time that he's uh, seen Russ before. So anyway, that's uh, now, now related to this. Uh, we had another person involved in this whole scam, a, a known name in poker, Chris Levick, who showed up on the same thread to defend himself. Now, Chris Levick was much more involved with this uh, Poker Players Academy scam than Blair Rodman was. Blair Rodman was more of someone who was uh, brought in to promote it and, and train people or whatever. Uh, much much more involved. Uh, Chris Levick, he, he was one of the two people who really uh, uh, really started it. He and a guy named Mike Helm. So Chris Levick came and, and tried to defend himself there. At one point he stopped responding to people, again, just like Blair Rodman when he got uh, slammed and he couldn't really answer a lot of the tough questions. Uh, however, he continued to write to me privately. Now, I always feel funny about posting people's private emails because when they're writing to me privately, I want people to feel they can do so and not have it then automatically posted publicly. Now, in some cases, I feel that it's fine to post it publicly if it contains threats, if it's if it's someone who's a, a total, complete, confirmed scumbag that uh, you know doesn't deserve to have his stuff kept private. Uh, in the case of Chris Levick, uh, he was definitely very much involved in this Poker Players Academy, and uh, you know, 215 people did get cheated out of 15 bucks each. But uh, you know, I, I didn't know if it was appropriate for me to post his emails. But I will read one part of the email, and that was where he has emailed me an email that was sent out by a lot of people uh, to a lot of people supposedly by Mike Helm about the Poker Players Academy. This is unbelievable. I believe this, I mean, when I say unbelievable, I believe this was actually sent to at least a few people by Mike Helm. I don't know if it went to all the members. It probably didn't. But uh, th- this is, again, about the Poker Players Com- Academy, like a uh, a multi-level marketing sort of poker training site that never ended up training one person for anything and took 235 people's money for 15 bucks each who invested in it as, as like, trying to get into the bottom floor of this uh, multi-level marketed uh, training site. So this is what Mike Helm supposedly wrote to all of them when he was having tr- trouble. Hello to all our locked-in members. That's, that already has like a, a bullshitty marketing sound to it, our locked-in members. Thank you for your participation in the pre-pre-launch. <laughs> the pre-pre-launch. 
The purpose of the pre-launch was to get... This is the pre-launch itself, not the pre-pre-launch anymore. The purpose of the pre-launch was to get friends and family of those working with the PPA, and this is the Poker Players Academy he's referring to, not the Poker Players Alliance, um, uh, a chance to be in the place in the top tier. I love the top tier in things like this. You always know you're dealing with a scam when there's tiers involved. Uh... It has accomplished this goal as we now have over a couple hundred people that locked in their place. As you may already know, we have closed the sign-up process and are at this time no longer accepting new members. We want to update you to set some expectations to clear up others. First, I need to apologize for two things. When we took down the pre-pre-launch pages, some of the links did not get forwarded and showed up as broken links and errors for many of you. We did not know we had an issue until some of you reported it. That caused some frustration for some, of the, for, for some and that seems to be fixed now. Also, some messages went out from our management and staff about the launch coming in October. This is not correct, and I apologize that those expectations were sent. Poker Players Academy is still in a development phase. It will take some time and considerable funding in order for us to get the final launch phase. This is all underway now, and we are very excited at the prospects. The technology being employed is one of a kind. I know from talking to a lot of you that you expected we would just be using typical video training. This is not the case, as we will be using a very different and much more effective uh, this will be a very unique way to learn and something you have never experienced before. Now, now what the hell is he talking about here, first of all? Like, this Blair is Rodman's Parker... going to come to your house? Yeah, is, is this like a 3D thing where you put on 3D glasses and Blair Rodman jumps out of your your monitor and, uh, you know, you, you shoot golf with him and Russ Hamilton while he teaches you how to play poker? Why, why do you need better than typical video training? Uh, one thing that does not need high production value is, is poker training. The, with poker training, it's all about the content. The whole reason you want good players making training videos for you is so you can see how players better than you think when they're playing their hands. And then you say, oh, uh, this is how this guy... Off the, just from off the speed, what were the different levels that people could buy into this at? I, I don't think there were levels. I think you're like buying in on the ground floor here. And then this way, then then what you do from this point is you sell the opportunity to sell poker training, and then that person way to sells. Just swing and miss at a, at a setup there, drop. <laughs> oh, I did. I'm sorry, I missed. I, I was in too serious mode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, <laughs> I can't believe. Anyway, that. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, what I what I was supposed to play for those of you wondering was this. So we have the hundred dollar level, two fifty. 500. <laughs> yes. Bad timing on that one. Okay, so uh, a good setup, though. I, mean, I, I apologize. My, my mind was in the wrong place. My mind was in too serious of a place. But uh, anyway, I, I lost. Oh, here it is. Lost what I was reading. Uh, so I don't understand why anybody would need to spend all this money on, on video training that's beyond typical video production quality for the internet. Like you're not looking for HD video. You're looking for just video that you can see, understand, understand what people are saying, have it sync up with a video properly. I mean, you can put this together for for 50 bucks. Anyway, again, the pre-pre-launch was set up just this was just to set up the structure with our friends and family and some of their friends in the top tier of the compensation structure. I know some of you locked in your place with the expectation that we'd be launching right away and are feeling less than happy about that right now because of our miscommunication. If you're one of those unhappy campers, uh, I would like to make you feel better. Here's what I'd like to do. Full refund, exclamation point. If you wish a refund, please send me an email at refund at pokerplayersacademy.com with your first and last name and the email you used to sign up. 
Please understand you will lose your position and will no longer be part of the founding group of friends and family at the top tier. Like I said, it's a pretty exclusive group as there are only a couple hundred of you. Now here comes the funniest part. This is why I wanted to read the whole thing, this next paragraph. Finally, I want to mention that with all the turmoil in this industry and our lack of, communi- lack of communication, I can fully understand why some of you might be worried that this is not a real opportunity. We have received some concerned communications to this effect. To those that would like to inform you... Hold on. I, I, you guys have to wait for this. This, this, is unpo- this part is crazy. This part just uh, blows my mind here. And I, I think I've lost it. I, I had a soundbite ready and I lost it. Damn it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so let, let me let me go on and read this here now. Uh, to those, I would like to inform you that we have spent one million dollars on the technology. No, actually, that's not true. We have spent one million dollars. I played it a second time because we spent $2 million on this technology and just under 200000 on the pre-pre-launch. $2.2 million was spent, supposedly, to get ready a poker training site that's going to release poker training videos. $2.2 million he's trying to tell people, this is Mike Helm, that they spent... We only let in 258. I'd be willing to bet that card runners, deuces, crack, and poker strategy collectively didn't spend two million dollars on startup. <laughs> but it's it's a very unique thing you've never seen before. You know, Blair Rodman's going to oh. come through the screen, and you're, you're going to go fishing for for whitefish at uh, with Russ Hamilton. That, that's what he's going to try to kill Phil. So, we, we've only let in 258 members before we turned off the process, which means we've collected less than $5,000. So let's review everybody. Uh, they collected less than 5000 but uh, they've spent... One million dollars. So it says, it was not our intention to sign up many people. Well, if it wasn't your intention to sign up that many people, how are you going to account for $2.2 million? If our intention was to sell as many seats as possible, we would have sent out weekly emails promoting the opportunity for you to sign up all your friends. We would have also updated you daily on the new on the new developments to create excitement. As you know, we did not do anything to help you in this endeavor. I hope you can conclude from this and our refund offer that it it was not or is not our intention to let anyone down. To my friends and family, thank you for your continued support. I'm excited about our future. We will be following up in the future with more information about dates and times and a demo of our technology. Best regards, Mike Helm, Poker Player Academy. So, the, unbelievably, this is the letter that that was sent to me from Chris Levick. That he's saying, "Hey, look, Mike Helm sent this out to everybody who invested, so we weren't scammers. See, we offered a refund. Like the, he actually sent this to me. And I was supposed to read this absolutely ludicrous letter." And think that this made everything fine. I mean, this letter had so many fraud red flags to it. But but the worst part was the... One million dollars. I mean, how can you say with a straight face... How can you even expect anyone to believe that on a tiny poker trading site that hasn't even launched yet, you've spent $2.2 million? But uh, th- that's what he claims to spend. So I, I just had to share this because uh, this was actually sent to me as something 
legitimizing the whole thing of the uh did that did that include the million dollar free roll they were going to put it, on yeah no that's just the technology that the, the million dollar free uh-huh. roll they were going to put on that would have been uh taking it up to 3.2 million dollars and um yeah so i i don't know if the that the, the poker training itself it also wasn't cheap since you're getting people like uh kathy liebert and uh Bruce Buffer teaching you. So uh, if you want to, if you wanted to pre-buy poker training through that site, fortunately nobody did this. But it, but this was the plan here. If you wanted to buy poker training, uh, you could buy it in certain packages. So we have the hundred dollar level, two fifty, five hundred, seven fifty, one thousand. <laughs> anyway, um, that, that's so. Why wouldn't, I mean, if these are friends and family on the ground level with a couple hundred of them, what's the issue with just Snap sending back everybody their 15 bucks if it's not some kind of... Well, I, I like also, it's not, it's not even just like not sending it back. Yeah, but the question is, like, once it's failed, now at this point now, if it's totally failed, like he sent this letter out in 2011, if it's totally gone now, which it is, why is he now not sending everybody their money back? But I, I guess this was them like taking the risk at this point. Like this was this was such a scammer's letter. This is saying, I'll give you a refund, but you're you're going to blow your chance at uh, at being part of this ground floor company that already invested two point two million dollars. So you can either have your fifteen dollars back, or be one of the two hundred fifty eight people on the ground floor of a company that just spent. One million dollars times two to get the whole thing going. I mean, it sounds like a good deal to me. So that's a, like, like he was trying to make people regret asking for a refund or be afraid to ask for a refund because they're going to rob themselves of the opportunity to make so much money in the future. So, uh, I mean, the whole thing it was such a scam. And, and the more I see, the, the, like they try to send me things to make themselves look better. They try to post things on Poker Fraud Alert to make themselves look more legitimate, and they just keep looking worse. That's what's so funny. Like, I think in a lot of scammers' minds, they really start to believe their own BS. I, I really think they don't understand how absurd this looks to the average person who's not a sucker. And, uh, and that, that's definitely what's happening here. So, uh, anyway, that's... Uh, I, I thought that was an entertaining thing. I'm actually going to post that letter from Mike Helm on my site, because the, this this isn't even me violating anyone's privacy or expectation of privacy, because this was Chris Levick sending me a letter Mike Helm sent, supposedly to all the investors. So that I'm happy to post. And so I'll post that on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum. But I, I wanted to read it on radio first, since uh, yeah, I, I don't want to repeat everything for the forum. I like uh, having some content here that's uh, that's fresh and new. Uh, and is Mike Helm completely off the map? He's not reachable at all? Yeah, we got a phone number for him. It was gone. And so, yeah, if anybody knows how to reach Mike Helm, I'd love to. Especially just like out of nowhere, they have to just like hit him when he's not expecting it, just get him on the phone. But I, I think it's probably not going to happen. So, uh, anyway, the, the quick a uh, few other things before I end this whole th- show. And uh, thank you for sticking with me for this long. It's been a pretty long show here. It's been uh, uh, three and a half hours already. Uh, no problem. I spent uh, New Year's Eve on the Vegas Strip. Uh, I did have two very nice rooms at Caesars uh, overlooking the strip uh, they shoot off a very nice fireworks show that I think the city of Las Vegas pays for and it's interesting the way they do it they shoot this from the roofs uh, 
of various hotels. They shoot one off of uh, Planet Hollywood, one off of the Cosmo, one off of the MGM, uh, one off of Caesars. I think those are the four that shoot. Uh, at least I, I could see three of the three of those four. The one I couldn't see was Caesars because I was in Caesars. But I had a very nice view of the Cosmopolitan, or not the the uh, Planet Hollywood, which is very close to Caesars, and uh, and I could see the other two in the distance as well. Uh, it's very long fireworks show as far as fireworks shows go. It looked very expansive, very well done. And uh, the reason I had these two great rooms, uh, now I could get a room on New Year's just as a seven star, but uh, the reason I had uh, the rooms with such a great view on such a weekend where they could get a lot of money for these rooms was because on my previous stay at Caesars a month before that, uh, they had such fail there that the when I checked in, they had given away my non-smoking room just because I, I wasn't there as early as some other people. And they weren't supposed to do that. They just handed away my room to someone else. And uh, then they didn't have any more when I got there. And uh, and then I was even willing to take a smoking room, but by then they had like almost nothing left except like in their old tower. And and then the, when I checked out, it took over an hour to collect correct uh, billing mistakes for the for the you know, which happened this time as well. So so as kind of a peace offering, they gave me those uh, those two great rooms. They weren't suites or anything, but they had an incredible view, which normally I wouldn't care about that much. But uh, on New Year's, that was a very important thing to have. So it was very nice. Uh, on New Year's at, at midnight, we were instead of standing out in the crowds and the cold, because it's, it's pretty cold at midnight in, in Vegas in, in January. Uh, we were sitting in the warm room, uh, high up, you know, 22 floors up, looking at uh, the fireworks going off. And it was a very nice show. And Benjamin, who always likes to stay up late anyway, uh, did make it till midnight and did actually get to see the New Year's fireworks and got to see fireworks for the first time. And uh, I, I, I think, I, I don't think when I was two that I got to stay up till midnight to see anything for New Year's. I, I don't know how old I was. I think I was like five or six the first time I stayed up till midnight for a New Year's. Do you remember how old you were when you first did that? Uh, no, it's never really been like anything important to me. Oh, I really? Just, I'm usually asleep before midnight. Really? Um, uh, yeah, I, I never really did anything. Really? I'm surprised. To me, it's always been a big deal. For me, I've always wanted to be awake for midnight at New Year's. And, uh, in fact, I was surprised uh, my girlfriend a few years ago, I think two years ago, uh, actually like 1130, she says, okay, I'm going to sleep. I said, what? Like, we didn't have any plans that night. But I said, yeah, at least like stay up with me for the New Year's. Oh, oh okay. Like she, she was about to go to sleep at eleven thirty of all things, and she said, "Well, I'm tired. I, I don't feel like staying up." And I mean, uh, it seems kind of pointless to me. Like, what is it that you're staying up for? You know? Now, to me, it just seems like it seems like uh, I wouldn't say a big event, but it seems like uh, something I want to see when the when the year rolls over. And I, I mean, I was fascinated with that back uh, when I was a kid, and and uh, uh, I remember in 1978, when I was almost six years old. The uh, I, I got to see the ball drop for the first time on TV, so I think that's when I stayed up till midnight for the first time, and I thought it looked so cool. And I said, you know, one day I'm going to go to New York Times Square and and see this. Is that is Dick Clark still alive, Jeff? No, no, he, he he's gone. Oh, and good. truthfully, he should have quit after the stroke because this was a guy who had the image of like the 
eternal teenager. And, and he, he looked and sounded young for a long time, even when he got quite old, until he had the stroke. And then the stroke transformed him into an old man who couldn't speak. Now, it's not his fault, but uh, uh, the bottom line is when you've made your whole career out of eternal youth, you want people to remember you that way. And the problem was Dick Clark, he was so rich and he owned the company that, that produced that show. And, you know, he's the boss. And it's hard when there's nobody who, who can stand up to you and say, hey, you know, you're embarrassing yourself here. You, you just, you should leave people's memory of you of when you were healthy and, and young looking and spry, even when you were older and young looking and spry, and, and not let people remember you struggling to get words out in your final years. But uh, nobody had the balls to tell him that. So uh, he kept doing it every year. I mean, he, he gave most of the duties to Ryan Seacrest. He just physically was unable to do most of it. But but he still came on camera, and it was uncomfortable for everybody to watch. But but he is not alive anymore. And uh, But um, I never did go to Times Square for New Year's. And I, I would like to do that at some point. But I think if I do it, I'd probably want it similar to what we did for Vegas, and it'd probably be very expensive to do, but I, I probably would want to be in a hotel where I can see the ball drop and see the whole thing, but not actually be out there with all the crowds and the cold. So, I think, I think I've gotten spoiled by the experience I just had in Vegas. And, uh... Um... I guess the last thing I want to talk about is, uh... How big is Poker Fraud Alert? It's been around since March of 2012... I tried to answer this question by going to Alexa.com, which is uh, the best site for, for uh, judging internet traffic. Not necessarily judging for your own site, but if, like if you want to compare your site's traffic to any other site on the web, that's really the best one, even though it's not all that accurate, because it's just not possible to have a site that's completely accurate. Because there, there is no such thing as a site that tracks where you go on the web. Nobody would want that. That would be a violation of your privacy. So the only way they can do it is by um, having people put a toolbar, like install a toolbar that tracks where you go, where you're knowingly putting a toolbar there which tracks your, your data of where you visit and, and then communicates it over to Alexa. Now, of course, what Alexa is really ranking is not the traffic, but the traffic of the people who have that toolbar installed. But they hope that there's so many people with toolbars that just like uh, when they take political polls, that they're only asking a very small percentage of the population who they're going to vote for, that uh, just it'll be representative of, of the Internet users as a whole. But the problem is it really isn't because it's just people who choose to install that toolbar rather than something uh, like scientifically selected people. So it's not the same as, as statistical polling. Anyway, it's still the best we have, and it's it's roughly accurate. When I say roughly, I mean it it gets you a, kind of a ballpark figure of how active your site is, but uh, there there's a lot of error either way. You could either be more active than Alexa gives you credit for, or less active than it's giving you credit for. Anyway, here are the the sites that I, I've found, and I'm talking about only poker sites. Uh, I'm not talking about sites like CasinoMeister.com or ones like that that are about other subjects besides poker. And I found that Poker Fraud Alert appears to be number seven. And when I say sites, I'm talking about poker forums. Because that's mainly what Poker Fraud Alert is, is a forum. 
Uh, once a week, we have this radio show, the Drexel Drexel show. Uh, we have a few user shows running now, but but mostly it's a forum, and that's what most of the traffic to Poker Fraud Alert is. So I was trying to compare it to other sites that are mostly forums, or at least have a forum that's active. Well, what came up number one on Alexa is PokerStrategy.com, which is actually popular with uh, Europeans. And I'm surprised that beat out 2 plus 2, but I have a feeling they yeah, get a lot of their traffic. Yeah, I think they get a lot of their traffic from like affiliate stuff. So I think that 2 plus 2 forum-wise is definitely the biggest, but uh, uh, traffic-wise it's claiming Poker Strategy beats them. I still think that's a mistake, but uh, whatever. Poker Strategy is technically listed as 1. 2 plus 2 with a th- as being the 34, 75th biggest site in the world. Uh, 2 plus 2 rank 7233. Of course, the lower number is better. Like Google is ranked number 1. 2 plus 2 ranked 7233 in the world. Comes next. Pocket 5 is ranked 36911 in the world. That's 36,911. Cards Chat, which uh, that one I'm not sure where to really put that because a lot of that is affiliate stuff, not necessarily the forum. But they do have a fairly active forum. So they're 50,030. Uh, I thought... Poker Fraud Alert was next, but unfortunately I was wrong. Uh, next, Flop Turn River. And, uh, by the way, a little fact about Flop Turn River. For those of you that like or dislike Judonk, that's where he came from. He came from Flop Turn River. So, you can either thank them or hate them for that. Their rank is 120,276. Uh, number six, liquidpoker.net. Now, this also may have some affiliate stuff to it, but they're technically ranked ahead of us, 148,739. Number seven, Poker Fraud Alert. 173,878, where we are right now. So, uh, according to Alexa, we're the 173,878th biggest website on the on the web, which uh, sounds pretty bad, but that actually, you know, there's there's tens of millions of sites on the web. So, if you think of that, we're actually doing pretty well. Part-time poker, the staking site, used to be a big forum. Well, now it's behind Poker Fraud Alert at 189, 166. Full Contact Poker, Dan Negreanu's forum, which was once very active, has slipped down to 281, 468. Internet Texas Hold'em, 288-878. Donk Down, a site that uh, a lot of us came from before Poker Fraud Alert, and some of, some people are still part of it, a site I once owned. 422-829. And this one might surprise you, or maybe it, maybe it won't. A site that once had 20 full-time employees from a rumor I heard. Definitely spent a lot of money. PokerRoad.com 744-642 So they're really experiencing hard times. Still rank higher than VegasPokerRadio.com But PokerRoad.com I mean, this is I guess this is why uh, Joe Seabach is crushing grapes. I I guess we didn't get to talk about this. I guess that came out right after our last radio show. But yet, Joe Seabach is now crushing hella grapes I'm not even joking. This this is what he's doing now. He's actually uh, working at a winery. Not at a good job at the winery either. He's like at the production uh, part of the winery in Northern California. Very strange thing. He like took just like a kind of like a menial job at a winery. 
Now, I hate to criticize that too much because, uh, you know, taking a crappy job is more honorable than just continuing to borrow money from people and, uh, you know, and scam people. So I, I don't want to put that down too much, but it's just, I mean, that's that's some fall from uh, from grace there, from living the party lifestyle there in uh, Hermosa Beach, California, to, uh, yeah. let, me, let me read a little bit of this. This just came out just a little bit after our show two weeks ago. Former poker pro Joe Seabach is a superstar. Whoever wrote this obviously wasn't very uh, <laughs> very aware of the of the poker community when they wrote that. But uh, he has complete he has competed in dozens of tournaments over the years. His stepfather Barry Greenstein is one of the most famous names in the sport. And together, Seabach and Greenstein fo- founded PokerRoad.com, a multimedia outlet for all things poker that bled money. Which I threw that last part of myself. Unlike most other pro professionals in the sport, though. I hate when they call it a sport. Seabach has other interests. Naturally, then, when he took a break from professional poker at the end of 2011, a.k.a. went broke, the 35-year-old sought a challenge in an unrelated field. Ultimately, he moved to the Bay Area from Los Angeles and worked the 2002, sorry, 2012 harvest for Vinify, a custom crush facility in Santa Rosa. A crush facility, of course, you know, crushing grapes for wine. This means Seabach spent the fall working with grapes. He was charged with punch-downs, the, rig- the rigorous task of punching the top layer of grapes down to the bottom of a fermenting bin so the fruit is distributed evenly. He engaged in pump-overs, the process of pumping wine from ho- one holding tank to another. I did typical cellar rat stuff, Seabach explained recently from his new home in Gurneyville. Basically, I came up here and got my ass kicked. I, I like this part. Poker prepared Seabach for at least a few aspects of the experience. In poker, he grew accustomed to, quote, working late at night on a regular basis, on some occasions for 12 hours or more. At the winery, his typical workday ran from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. So, I mean, that's a, that's a major step down here, to be working a, a menial job doing what he calls cellar rat stuff for 12 hours a day at a winery. I mean, this is very hard work, and it's like manual work that's uh, that's really not uh, something you do unless you really have no other choice. This is not a job I think anyone would pick. And uh, and, and this is uh, this is another silver lining he found in it. In some cases, Seabach found the winery job a little too challenging. He said he lost 17 pounds over the course of the three-month harvest, noting it's well documented that poker players are lazy and we don't exactly keep ourselves in the best shape. So he, he got in better shape, I guess, and lost some weight because he was uh, crushing hella grapes up in Northern California. So um, this is a weird quote at the end. I've skipped down to the end. And while he plans to explore card rooms on the local scene, Seabox sees his long-term future in something else. The game is poker and gr- is great and has been good to me over the years, he said. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing other stuff, all you are doing is counting money. I have a feeling that he wouldn't have minded counting money if that's what he was really doing. Yeah, if he was still counting money, do you think that he would be fucking making wine? No. <laughs> and it's not even like he's having, like, it's not like he started his own winery. He had, like, some fantasy about, uh, you know, starting his own wine label. And that, that I would understand. Here he's just, like, a worker in a winery crushing grapes. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that, that's nothing that anyone would ever find interesting. I mean, that's something that nobody would even want to do for a day. 
It's just it's just a, a weird choice, but I think he was forced to make it because I think since his stepdad Barry Greenstein is having financial problems of his own, he can't bail him out. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, he, I wonder if Joe can get him in. Maybe seller rack capacity just so he could get by. Yeah, but maybe Barry can start crushing hella grapes too. I think I think if they could get some like young Asian girls working there, I bet Barry would go work there. <laughs> you so, goddamn right he would. So, so you know, uh, it's it's surprising to me, and I think he really had to do it just because uh, I, I think he ran out of options. I think he couldn't pay his rent anymore in, in Hermosa Beach. This, these are just my guesses, by the way. I don't have any inside information about this, but uh, I think he just ran out of options and uh, wasn't making any more money in poker. Nobody would stake him anymore. Couldn't pay his rent anymore at Hermosa Beach. UB wasn't paying him anymore. So he was looking and said, hmm, what should I go do? And I don't know where he found this whole thing about the, the crushing grapes job, but uh, he must have found something interesting about it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll go to Northern California and crush grapes. Like a, Kind of like an aimless thing. Kind of like I could see like a 20-year-old doing this who just wants an adventure. But for to be 35 and to be doing this, especially after living such a... Uh, Extravagant lifestyle before So I can tell you where he was living before Hermosa Beach was not cheap He was living in a place right on the beach And uh, So so anyway Sirius um, <laughs> just said something funny in the chat He said I heard he lost 10% of his money a year Just from rotting and rats eating it in warehouses <laughs> <laughs> Referring to the 10% of the hands that disappeared From uh, uh, UB That uh he would never explain, but uh, you know, in one in one way, I, I will say that uh, I'm glad to see Joe Seabach has moved on from the whole UB thing and is not uh, attempting to get involved in something else shady in poker. He's not attempting to just keep stretching the shadiness as long as he can to stay in action. That he's finally given up and just said, "I'm going to get a regular job." It's a shitty job, but uh, at least he went and got a job. And it seems to have exited poker. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, I I really wish that he would apologize to everybody for the UB thing. I think that would go a long way if he came and said, "Look, I knew the whole time that something wrong was you was UB. I lied to myself. I didn't want to accept it because I was in a desperate situation. It was I was broke. That was my only form of income. I wasn't winning in poker. The only way I could keep my my lifestyle going was to believe what UB was telling me. And I, I really just wanted to close my eyes to the whole thing. I didn't want to rip anyone off, but I, I just wanted to keep my eyes closed because I, I was afraid of finding out the truth and having to give up everything I have. And, and you know, like I, I don't say people would say that uh, he's a good person for saying that, but I think some people would at least respect that he would own up to his mistake and own up to what he did. But but even when he made this video after the whole thing was over, he still would not really own up to what he did. He still would not own up to what the true situation was. And in fact, he seemed to be playing victim of, oh, everybody hates me, you be misled me, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Joe Seabach knew very well when he was doing all the apologizing for UB and all the lying for UB that he was peddling lies for them. They would tell him lies, and then he would validate the lies, pretty much. He, he would be the one to tell the lies that were told to him to tell the public. He knew what he was doing. And 
he didn't stop because to him at the time, maintaining his lifestyle in Rosa Beach was more important than than uh, not leading people into a, a scam website like UB. Anyway, um, so, so you're uh, ranked number seven. <laughs> That's where we were. At. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, I wonder if he sits and thinks about though, like, hey, I used to live in Hermosa Beach. I used to be fucking Amanda Leatherman. Now I'm crushing grapes for twelve hours a day. Like, that's gotta be. That's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough to get up. Uh, it's gotta be a huge. The just the financial swing has to be very disheartening. Like the amount of money you. He'll never be able to make the money he was making again, and that's got to just be completely demoralizing. Um, I, I mean, can you really go back to making uh, 15 bucks an hour after you're making whatever, 40, 50K a month or whatever they said he was making? It's That's got to be probably one of the hardest adjustments a person can make, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. And that's the worst. It's it's much worse for people who once made a whole lot of money in poker, who now have nothing and will never make it again. And when I say in poker, they didn't necessarily have to win it playing poker, just made it through poker in some way. But they're never going to make it again. Someone like Joe Seabock. And uh, it's got to be very tough to think, had I held on to all the money I was making, I could be in good shape for a long time, but instead I blew it, and now I'm stuck uh, crushing hella grapes for 12 hours a day, living in some crappy apartment in somewhere in inland northern California when I used to live right on the beach in Hermosa Beach and, you know, have have, uh, sex with Amanda Leatherman and all that. Like, it's it's a lot harder than someone who was like a grinder who never accumulated a whole lot of money and now has fallen on some hard times. And it can say, well... I was never rich. I, I was never living the, the ball or poker lifestyle. I was kind of just getting by, and now I'm getting by less. That's a lot easier to accept than, than being, than have been very successful in some way and, and then be broke and have it all gone and know you're not going to get it back. That, that's got to be a killer. And it's, it's much the way athletes feel after they blow all their money. And, and they're 40 years old and they can't play anymore. So... Anyway, that's uh, so yeah, that's got to be a killer here. But at least for Joe Seabach, I can say that this is someone who wasn't innocent. This is someone who uh, knowingly helped you be post scandal. And while he didn't cheat anyone directly, uh, he helped cover up for them and helped lead people back to the site to be cheated again. So anyway, uh, I guess uh, we're about done here. This is a long show. I thought it might be because. We had a lot to talk about, and I, I want to thank you for yeah, no problem. joining us. It made it a lot easier to have a, a co-host, and uh, uh, wish you luck on Thursday with uh, your show without a co-host. Yeah, first thing we've got, uh, the Sextons will be on our show, not Mike or Keith, but the mother-daughter porn duo. Yeah, wow, mother-daughter porn duo. That's so strange. Like, I, I don't think I could watch that, honestly. They just bother me. It's really funny, Jeff. Our one of the guys who does a lot of who did a lot of the work on the twenty two cube gats is short bus poker, and he booked them. And they're doing a huge media tour, and their itinerary is Anderson Cooper Live, followed by Filthy Limper Radio. <laughs> wow. 
I, I don't even know what they're getting themselves into. So I, I can't believe Anderson Cooper's having them on. That's that's so strange. That doesn't sound like his type of guest. That sounds like a Howard Stern guest to me, not like an Anderson Cooper guest. I don't know. I just I looked over the itinerary and I just saw this hysterical. Wow, that's amazing. So yeah, listen to Filthy Limper this Thursday, a uh, mother-daughter porn duo, and uh, lots of other crazy stuff. And uh, they'll try to get by there without uh, Brandon, just as we did today, uh, as he's in Italy or wherever he is, doing whatever he is. Uh, Skype shows and all that other stuff, and we'll we'll have to find all that out later. Uh, this isn't even a bit for radio. We we really both have no clue about this. In fact, I was going to ask you privately, Jason, <laughs> what you knew about this, but I guess we talked about it publicly out here. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Poker Fraud Alert Radio is going to continue throughout 2013. I have no plans to end it. Every week on usually on Tuesday, maybe sometimes on Wednesday. But I'll bring it to you just about every week of the year. And uh, if Brandon can't make it sometimes, then uh, we'll have Jason or whoever else would like to join. But uh, Poker Fraudler has given away more free roll money in 2012 than I believe any poker podcast out there. We're going to keep doing that. Thank you to all the users who have donated that money. I can't even take credit myself. Our users are so generous, and I love it. Congratulations to whoever won tonight. We'll be back next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. You know what to say here, Jason. Shalom. Shalom.